Well, guys, um, great to have you around here at the DSA Cottage. Um, yeah, this, thanks, uh, thanks, mate. Yeah. This social, uh, it's a bit hard around the table of social distancing, but uh, I think yeah. we'll be able to do this episode pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're wearing our masks, we've used our hand sanitizer. Yeah. Vocalist, uh, how are you travelling? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Lobster? It's uh, pretty good. Um, uh, I think we're not um, going to be heard very well. I think we're sounding remarkably fucking muffled. <laughs> <laughs> to the 2020 Racing Insiders Racing Cast, where you can see clearly now that the rain has gone. Proudly brought to you by Race Fuels. And here are your hosts, The Warbster and The Podcast DSO, with special guest... The Podcast Vocalist. Welcome to a real episode of The Racing Cast Vocalist. Warbster, The Vocalist made her debut... When there was Debris. When there was Debris. Uh, first last year. Yes, and she's featured heavily in our Racing Insiders FM episodes yes. and uh, yes. lent her wonderful vocal talents to a number of projects. And, and songwriting ability. And songwriting ability, X. She's uh, co-written a bit with me and written a couple on her own. Yep. Great to have you aboard. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Alrighty. And she's lying. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not so, so welcome welcome to the racing-free version of the racing cast. We haven't had any racing at all. Well, real racing anyway. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, first up, how's everyone been? Because um, the world's been a bit crazy and uh, things have been very, very difficult in the real world. So how are we all travelling? Pretty busy at work. It's um, been yeah. a bit business as usual for me. Uh, still, yeah. still been lucky enough to get in the ute and drive to work every day and mm. get out and do what I've got to do. And uh, yeah. uh, things are, things have been very different mm. in uh, in our world, but uh, ultimately, it's uh, I've survived so far. Yeah, we're still we're still here. Um, I'm the same. I mean, we're we're all in necessary jobs apparently. Mm. So um, not much has changed day to day. Obviously, the masks and the sort of social fear and all the Everyone sort of going, don't come near me. All that sort of stuff has been pretty uh, flippy, but we're all still here, and well, you're listening to us. That's and a, that's, uh, that's only that's only freaky if you're a uh, if you're an extrovert. <laughs> yeah, if actually, you're, if actually, you're actually in- my, my schedule hasn't changed at all. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, if you're an introvert, you love this. It's yeah. just as business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to celebrate the end of social distancing by continuing to do it. Yes, a new vocalist. Ah, uh, data entry and paperwork is still data entry and paperwork. Doesn't matter where you do it. Doesn't matter where I do yeah, it, it yeah. still happens. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, in the absence of real racing, what's been sating your latent race lust, Warbster? YouTube, mainly. NASCAR's been pretty good with uploading stuff over the years. Formula One's been really good. Yep. A lot of the old stuff. Um, I sort of tune out after about 2005. Mm. But um, a lot of Schumacher era stuff, a lot, couple of Turbo era stuff, 90, uh, 82 Monaco Grand Prix in full is definitely a highlight. Um, I'm nerding out here. And, no, um, really? Yeah. One, okay. thing, yep. one thing I haven't been watching is the uh, cartoon racing, as you've uh, put it, but we'll get into that into a minute. Mm-hmm. 
Vocalist, what's been setting your race lust? Uh, watching terrible race movies and car movies and mm. pulling them apart, basically. So, Talladega Nights, The Furious, The Fat mm. and the Flatulent. Sorry, I'm um, sorry. The yeah. Fast and the Furious, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Watching all the inconsistencies in those movies and pulling it apart, basically. So, sort of looking at Supras with truck gearboxes in them and... Things that just should not happen, and mm. the amount of gear changes that happen in a straight oh, line. Oh, and... I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a drag race, and I'm losing. Better shift down. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get into that. The only um, thing, the only thing that's less realistic than um, the uh, cars in the Fast and the Furious is uh, Vin well, Diesel's facial expressions. I thought you were going to say all the bullshit that's been coming out of Sean Seamer's mouth for the last twelve weeks. We're doing that in the next episode, which is going to be a bit of a breakdown on the uh, supercars clusterfuckery, mm. if I can put it that way. There's another beep for me. No worries. Getting them in early. Mm. But uh, for this episode, we're going to stick with everything else because there has been other things going on in the world other than supercars. Mm. Indeed, there has. Mm. And I've actually had a little bit of a, a sabbatical from motorsport in general. I um, yeah. have really enjoyed the Erebus documentary series, which we'll touch on shortly. Yep. We'll bring a special guest in, for, another special guest in for Wait. that one. Well, more, more special than more, the localist. No, not more special. No, no one does special do, Hang on. <laughs> hang on. How do I answer that question? Very Mrs. delicately. Mrs. Mrs. D, cool. Mrs. DSO is actually if, going to, you, believe you. it or not, everybody, Mrs. DSO is going to join us shortly for uh, for a was... chat about the uh, about the Erebus uh, about the Erebus series. And in case you hadn't noticed, that was me throwing the grenade and then running away. Yeah, thank you very, very much, Wolfster. We touched on the cartoons. Yes. As much as anything else, the online racing world has exploded with almost every series of consequence and uh, and countless others with not much consequence worldwide running something. Supercars has pushed the E-Series really hard and they've had uh, some key guests like Lando Calrissian, Magic Mike, uh, Max Rokotansky and, uh, and that bloke Bilko all joining in with all the bells and whistles to keep our attention. Hang on, no, no, no. It's Lando Norris, mm. Mike Widett mm. and Max Verstappen. Oh, did I get that wrong? Yeah, you did. I'm pretty sure Billy D. Williams probably doesn't know how to drive stick. Right. Does it matter with E-Racing? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, cartoon racing. Uh, are you are you a fan, and why not? No, uh, well, hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> let's don't, don't. Let's just don't don't, don't don't light the fuse yet, Wolfster. Okay. Now, let me preface this short segment by saying that the vocalist and I have had a number of fairly firm discussions uh, in her visits to the DSO cottage to do some recording, and. Uh, I'm very, very aware of the vocalist's um, thoughts on it. So before we get into that, let's touch on our own individual experiences with, um, with online gaming and online racing. So what's, yes, what's, yeah. we're, 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 what's uh, give, me, give, us, give, give everybody a bit of a background on, uh, on your, on your ooh, uh, wow. extent of racing. I started playing racing games when I was four or five, probably on a Nintendo. Wow which probably tells you how old I am. And uh, yeah, played every Gran Turismo obsessively up to six. Mm-hmm. And oh, two then... you were six or Gran Turismo no, six? No, Gran Turismo six. Yeah, thank you. Um, quite competently, uh, if any of the Anzac guys or any of the uh, Friday night crew around, how do? Wow. But um, I used to I have be... absolutely no idea what you're talking about, that's but keep right. going. That's all right. Yeah, no, that's no, good. no one else does either, that's no. the point. 
The sis one is nobody having a clue what I'm talking about ever stopped me before on this podcast. 31 episodes Thank later. Thank you very much. Thank you. So yeah, I guess that's my experience um, in terms of iRacing and sort of stuff with wheels. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, yourself? Oh, look, um, I've got a, uh, a very deep and long-running extensive experience with, uh, with racing platforms. Um, I think it, uh, the last time I picked up a controller would have been on a PlayStation 2 about 22 years ago, and that was probably, you know, Gran Turismo 1 and a bit of Toka Touring Cars. So, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, ab- I'm absolutely, uh, I- I'm, as, okay. I'm, as, I'm as well informed to comment on e-racing as just about anybody else on social media. Uh, okay. Vocalist, help. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you're used to that level of graphics. That's all right. That's why you like E-Series. Yeah. Well, oh, well played. Oh, um, so um, let's just say uh, it's, uh, it's not every day that uh, you kick off seven and a half minutes into the episode with a rant, but Vocalist, the floor is yours. Look, before I start my rant, I'll let you know that I did play Toka Touring Car on PlayStation 1 and 2. Um, the supercars games on the PlayStation and the PC, and then I moved to Xbox, wow. where you've got games like Forza. Mm-hmm. Can, can we keep this under an hour and a half, please? <laughs> <laughs> this could go a while by the sound that's of it. As, that's as far as I'm going with my gaming experience with the games. The E-Series is the equivalent of the celebrity race at the Grand Prix. It's terrible. These setups they have the graphics the dynamics of the racing itself there was an e-series platform that they could have used which is the forza xbox it is used worldwide it is they have championships already that grand franchise does as well they could have done the same thing but they and there would have been sponsorship available for them righto so this is a world that you are very aware of in your opinion why have they used iRacing Somebody's money grabbing hands is being greased, basically. Okay, so I'll throw a number at you. So I have a lot of contacts, and uh, they tell me things, and I write them on my page, and it gets me in trouble. But really, I've done notice. Talk about that a bit later. Mm. Uh, I have it on very good authority. Supercars have been throwing somewhere between 100, 120 grand a week at the E Series. So that's production, all sorts of other costs. So let's hope that someone at iRacing was uh, was offsetting that because. um, We'll drill down into Supercars Palace State in uh, in the sec- next in, in episode thirty two. You look at it this way: it's five hundred dollars for a two terabyte Xbox hard drive that also acts as a PC. That's your gaming platform right there. You can use a controller. You can spend the extra money, get yourself a seat, pedals, steering wheel, and it's got haptic feedback. Yep. So you do feel bits that the car is going through, whereas on a PC, not so much. And if you did want that you have to spend extra money again. A good PC to run would be two grand, maybe more, to have the video card, the graphics, the streaming. Uh, you'd be spending that, you'd be spending two grand on the screens. Exactly. And a lot of the Alone. time, but a lot of the time what they're doing is they're actually assembling everybody at like, um, I can't remember the name of the place, but there's one in um, Lillardale, which is around where I grew up. Yep. It's actually not too far away from um, Dalewood Signage Place if you are know Cave Hill Road well enough. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I can't imagine that's not costing a fair bit because you're renting the place out for the night. You've got all the cameras, you've got all the people, all yep. the spectacle, all the graphics, all the bullshit. Um, um, there's been somebody running in the MPC sim almost every week. So mm-hmm. the MPC have, have, have been running a sim. Um, Wouldn't happen to be the um, rightful winner of um, 
this year's 2020 uh, <laughs> Bathurst 12 hour if he uh, was allowed to race Lee Partridge, would it? Lee's got a new sim rig at home. Lee and I are okay. uh, mates. Lee, uh, Lee's got a new sim rig at home but uh, and been competing in a couple of other series. But uh, it, it, look, it's really interesting. We, we touched on something a chat in our chat earlier before we started recording that I think the graphics platform uh, has been really well suited to the to the NASCAR ovals because that's about the only time the cars should go in the air. Um, it's just been absolutely There's ludicrous. No absolutely gravity. ludicrous. Yeah. formulas in there at all whereas i remember the best part of playing a car game was to figure out how could you turn your car upside down mm. and how do you avoid that but they're not even trying that there's not none of that oh, at all i don't know watching the first half a dozen episodes there are a number of drivers out there that were trying as hard as they can to turn their car upside down well, I that's think. the thing like but if, was... if you're going to be representing the sport you don't want to turn your car upside down and you don't want to be able to do it at the drop of a hat. But I think the challenge that some of the field had and joked about um, uh, about Jack Smith and we've joked about Jamie Winkup being slow. Um, I think, yeah, Winkup's... And there were a lot of guys that have just never raced, never done sim racing in their life. Dave Reynolds is probably the most... Don't need to. Don't know what I don't want to know. Yeah, don't that's care. exactly right. But Reynolds yeah. was the first one. And um, just in t- touching on ways that uh, we've kept ourselves sane and our, our racing fix. Mm. Uh, I've been listening to a fair bit of uh, of the Reynolds podcast, mostly just to wait wait for that sit in hope for the shout out that never comes. Um, I do. But Dave's, uh, I'll see you soon, Dave. We're starting racing again. I'll catch you at a track. Don't worry about that. But Dave's been really open about uh, not, not, have, not having done it before. Whisper gets to me that he got benched uh, when they brought Will Brown in because he wasn't trying. Who's Will Brown? IFWB. Thank you. But Dave's done a heap of, done a ton of practice. He's, he's you know, he's admitted that, and his his results have really changed. Um, for another old bloke, uh, Lee Holdsworth's done really well. Mm. Um, mm. So it's interesting. There are guys who are used to racing the sim. There are guys who aren't. Well, there's Kurt Kostecki who does all the um, setup for yeah. normal E series for E races. Um, I think there's been a couple of really. I got a couple of personal highlights from the E series. I think the the ongoing saga of Rick Kelly's. Uh, sim rig, the camping chair, and the and the pieces of pine <laughs> screwed together, and then Mark, and then the uh, the Gen Two, the the, uh, Gen, the 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 car of the future sim rig Gen Two with the the form ply sides of the Mustang were good. The other highlight has been Nash Morris's mullet. Um, that's been absolutely. A, it's yep. been an absolute yep. highlight for me. Uh, as in, as in anyone the, as in, anyone who's listened to the racing uh, the touring cast will know, we're big on fashion. <laughs> Are we ever? Mm. We're big on seventies fashion and eighties fashion. So, uh, mm-hmm. so dude, if you're listening, you can give Nash a shout out, and I'm, I'll catch you at a track shortly too. That's the E series. Um, so it's crap. And, so Supercar's head of TV, Nathan Predegast, has come out today and said that there are five hundred thousand new viewer uh, new people viewing they've picked up so people that would never have had contact with supercars before have viewed the e-racing online bots <coughs> sorry bots. Didn't, bots thought you were going to say bullshit bots um so yeah look they'd need something to for that investment now whether it is 120k a week that's still know, too much my guys always pretty much been on the mark um mm. and it would have to be costing them money yeah, um, absolutely. They've got. I, I know. A, I know a songwriting duo that wrote a song about. Uh, so what? I'm an eraser. How prophetic did that turn out to be? They've had a token blonde. They've had Crompton. Mm. Um, they've had Matt Matty White. It's all okay. about the shoes. I'm just saying. Yeah, Matt, Matt Matty White was a talking head till he uh, till he got the bullet. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting to see. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been interesting at all. It's crap. It's been a cartoon. If I want to see Crash Bash, I would give the controller to my cousin. He's five. 
Or, or me. Who acts like he's five sometimes. Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, okay, let, let's try and redeem it a little bit. As a marketing tool for sponsors and the series to just keep the, the brand names and keep the keep eyeballs on something, has that done anything where, as Denozo said to us, oh, it's yeah. the only series, it's the only sort of, motor racing is the only thing where you can keep doing something that's, a simulation of it in the yeah. sporting world. So of all the professional sports in the world, sim racing is the only thing that is directly translatable to your chosen sport if you race a motor car. Can't so do it with is, bike racing. Can't do it with bikes, can't do it with any other form of sport because it is nowhere near the same. There is absolutely nothing close. You, you, you're pushing a controller, you're, what did we say about would you say about Wii, about Wii Sports? Oh, yeah, yeah, sports? yeah. Well, maybe maybe the runners can, like, run on, like, the Wii Sports paddle or whatever the hell that thing's called. You know, the board? <laughs> no, I don't. You know, the Wii Sports the Wii board? Remote. Yeah, yeah. The, Wii, the Wii Remote and yeah. the Wii Board mm. and the, you know. You can you can tell I'm not much of a gamer. You probably think Wii's something you do in the toilet. Wow, you, I knew you were going to go there. All right, enough of that. So, look, look from it's, that, back, it's, back it's, to your... It's crap, no, no, but No, 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 back to your question. As a marketing tool to keep the wheels turning, was it worthwhile? Oh, absolutely, it was worthwhile. It's kept all the sponsors. What it's also done, uh, the, the Twitch feeds have been incredible, you know? What, what did Scotty McLaughlin say Jack Smith was? A no-talented rich kid who can't drive? What about that bloke who said that lovely thing about Scott McLaughlin's mother? Oh, yeah, that was classy no mm. well he at least he's still got a career unlike uh, the gentleman over in the u.s who oh, mr uh, larson who dropped the n-word yes yes or um daniel apt yeah yeah who, who, um, who decided to cheat yeah that's that, daniel apt yeah that, yeah that got someone else in and, and yeah, drove for him and cheated got it, had yeah. a ringing he got spanner to come in and drive for him yeah g'day mate yeah g'day mate how's it going yeah, good. Um, they watch, they watch, 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 watch your login, mate, and I'll, uh, and I'll, and I'll drive your car. Um, I, I'm going to go with, um, we haven't been on the show in three episodes at yahoo.com. Right. Enough of that. <laughs> so whilst the uh, E-Series has been critically panned, uh, I think the only thing I've heard universally good things about is the Foxtel docu-series. Apparently that's a word now. Inside Line, a season with Erebus Motorsport. In the vein of Drive to Survive on Netflix about Formula One, the cameras followed the Erebus team for a year and condensed it into eight one-hour parts. It's now available on the Supercars YouTube page for those Foxtelly challenged. So if you want to see it, it's free to everyone. And an unusual person uh, kind of got into it. So uh, joining us to talk about uh, the series is the most tolerant, patient, wonderful, lovely guest we've ever had, apart from from the vocalist, Mrs. DSO. So, I'll kick it off, Warbster. Yes. Uh, obviously, you um, avid, avid listeners would uh, understand that I'm a little bit of a fan of Erebus and uh, and Dave Reynolds. Just a bit. Yeah, as uh, you are with uh, Anton Di Pasquale. Mm-hmm. Inside Line was going to be uh, mandatory viewing at my house. Yes. So, I sat up and make sure made sure that I recorded it on the IQ on Foxtel and uh, Mrs. DSO uh, took a bit of a liking to it. What what are your thoughts on on the series there, Mrs. DSO? I really yeah, no, I really enjoyed getting into it. I just found um, well, because I didn't know any of the people really, apart from seeing them sometimes in the media, as you know, DSO, I'm not an avid race fan. I do not watch a lot. I watch it sometimes. And uh, yeah, I just found that it was um, 
really good for people like myself who don't know a lot to sort of really follow and get into it and you know, I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. So there was a couple of conversations you and I have had where we, uh, or clearly those of you that haven't seen it, if, um, if you don't know how to swear... Uh, I suggest you watch it because Barry Ryan's got lots and lots of free uh, free lessons there. Mm. Um, but they don't need the reverse beeper on these bus, put it that way. No, that's exactly right. I think the thing that stood out really well was just how accessible Betty Clemenko made herself to the fans. Mm. Um, not only the drivers, not over the signing sessions, but she'd just be out there at the paddock and, and, and the fans love her. They genuinely love her. There's, yeah. there's no Ford, Holden, Nissan, uh, Volvo. It's She's just Betty. And there, I are, think, there are only Nissan fans left, I gave up. Yeah, well, you've got the shirt on again today. Just, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to let go. And what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, she's such a likeable person and um, obviously just really down to earth and honest, you know, and I've, I really thought that she was just amazing how she makes herself so available. And also, obviously, the whole, well, the racing drivers as well are encouraged so much to make themselves available and do so, obviously, at times it might be begrudgingly, but th- that's you don't ever see that. Perhaps, you know, they uh, might feel it, but... Yeah, obviously with fans, they really strive to make an effort. Um, so I suppose sort of what drew you in was more the human interest than the nuts and bolts, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, because not knowing a lot about how it all works, that's what I really enjoyed about it. I, I, I got to see, I suppose, a bit more about people's lives and how and all the insides and outs of it when they're doing the racing stuff. So, yeah, it was really so good that one. I'll throw something to you. I, I love asking questions that... Um, People don't know are coming. We, Barry Ryan. We know. CLW notices as yeah. well. Barry Ryan. If Barry Ryan was your boss at your workplace, um, <laughs> would you <laughs> would you would you think that he would be would he be a good boss? Would he be a bully? Would he be somewhere in between? Or is he just a bloke that is just genuinely really emotional? What's your take on Barry Ryan from what you've seen on the on the show? I, I think, well, obviously, he uh, always let his... He, you could see how he felt about uh, when things were going wrong and uh, you could just see it even if he wasn't uh, mouthing off something he, in his uh, just his body language um, and walking to the side of the track or... You'll never die, you'd never die wondering with Barry around. No, and I suppose, you know, but he's truly passionate and that's what you could see in relation to him ever being a boss at my work or that's hardly likely... Yeah, okay, that's good. So I suppose, would it make you pay more attention to supercars if it was on and you were passing by type thing? Like, would you check in on the progress of Erebus just to see how they're doing type thing? Yeah, definitely. Like, I've Mm. found myself starting to to notice certain things and watch certain things just because of having seen the series. I mean, some of it is that I just, it's, uh, I'm busy doing other things in in life and my other interests. Yeah, that sort of um, kept me not looking, but definitely um, I will have more of an interest, especially just following this team. They uh, just seem to be very real people and I've just enjoyed it that much. So I suppose, I mean, I'd, I'd... I've only watched like half the first episode because I only realised it was on YouTube last night when I was actually preparing the script yeah. uh, for this episode. And and you reckon I don't do any preparation? No, I, I <laughs> do. I, I suppose I look at it from more of a sort of marketing business perspective. This is sort of the reason that I think Penrite went to two cars because this is advertiser goodwill. This is sponsorship value. You can't 
buy in terms of they're good people they suit the brand sort of the underdog the aussie yep. the family those are very much things that penwright have traditionally traded off of in their own corporate image so what's interesting in the first couple of episodes they touch loosely on betty was against signing anton yes I am led to believe, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, and you know how to get to me, you can message the page. I'm led to believe they, she wanted James Courtney. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he was a name, and he had experience, and he had a championship. That's what I've been told, and I think I've read somewhere. Mm. Now, let's fast forward that to... That would have been a bloody disaster. Let's fast forward that to post-Adelaide this year, mm. where Courtney has been basically confirmed by Barry Ryan mm. as driving a third car for Erebus in every wild card that he could prior to Mr. Adderton taking over 23 Red. Isn't that interesting that Betty finally potentially mm. got her man, potentially was going to get her man, and, and that's, there's some talk in the first few episodes of the of the doco series about Anton scoring more points, and, they, and Betty was really watching, and Barry Ryan was like, "No, we want to, we want to put a young bloke in." Yeah, and, yeah. and then they've since turned that that shift has has realigned again with mm. picking up signing uh, IFWB mm. Will Brown for next year. Yeah. So I, I look at it though as if you look at that atmosphere within the team, and you look at how that team operates, and then you look at James Courtney's reputation which we know a bit more than we probably should about that would have been a disaster that would have been an absolute that's, that's a that's a culture clash from hell well, yeah, but hang on remember that the two loosest units in the pit lane frank the tank and crazy dave so and ifwb is not too far behind so 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 there's so there's an interesting thought hmm. uh, whether whether courtney would have been able to unleash uh, unleash the inner idiot yeah. because it's it's there we know it's there but it, he's I think he's been harnessed because of where he's driven for so long yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know but getting back to sort of the series itself um, Mrs. DSR do you look at sort of the series differently like look at seeing the human face of it rather than sort of like always sees people in sponsored suits and it's sort of almost Talladega Nights pastiche almost like looking at the human side does it sort of change your perception of the people within the industry as well as the um, series itself yeah. will, it, will it make you more interested in you know if if, if uh, the sound engineer and I are watching you know the Sydney round in a couple of weeks are you more likely to come and have a look at the TV to see where Erebus are going or yeah it, it makes me interested to know how how they are placing after following the series and seeing how how they can be so affected on the track and, and lose plate spots so easily and things happen in the pit lane and you know there's problems with certain mm. with uh, how they do the wheel or you know petrol whatever yep. um yeah. you know i don't know all the jargon no, no, but no, the good. thing is um yes it, it, it has definitely like i just felt felt like it was a very brave move of erebus to decide to do it it just makes you feel like you've been led into their world and you definitely just want to see how they're going and you wish them well it's almost like the narrative needs a conclusion yeah. And it's sort of, because it's an ongoing story, there is no conclusion to it. Well, they're I talking would, about running it again this year. Yeah, they are. Filming, filming again this year, so that, that'll be interesting to see. But I would counteract how brave it is, because if you, anyone, if I, I follow NFL, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, have been for years. And I would say that NFL Films has done this since the late 60s, early 70s, where they've had 
players and they've sort of done profiles and if their partners have had cancer and they want to talk about it or anything like that. And sort of humanising the people behind the sport does make it more accessible to more people because not everybody necessarily cares about the um, X's and O's, so to speak, but they do care about human interest. They do care about people. They do care about people's stories. And possibly that's where the current reality falls down because it's just guys on television. It's just cars going around a track. And that doesn't necessarily feed the soul or feed the brains of everybody out there. So maybe what needs to happen is there needs to be more of a less of the glossy, less of the fantastic graphics and all the other stuff that you associate with car racing and more on the people. Linking the narrative. Yeah. yeah. I think um, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of fans out there, who would desperately love to see uh, an inside line with Penske, and that ain't ever going to happen for a number of reasons, and let's not go into that. Mm. And definitely they'd love to, you know, and then the Triple Eight fans would love to see it with Triple Eight. I think, you'd, I think if ab- you could see it like Absolutely a- no way in the world I could see Triple Eight allowing that, ac- that level of access. You know, their media is far more stage managed than anyone else. So I think. Isn't the, the stage, ma- isn't the stage management what we've been railing against all along? Oh, completely, yeah. Most absolutely. of our followers... PointlessMotorRacingClickbait.com Isn't that what most of our followers and people online are going, no, stick your middle fingers up, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Because it is. Yeah. Let, instead of ramming the narrative that PR has crafted down the throat, let the stories come organically. Why do you think we develop Pierre Person? To be honest, mate, I've got no fucking idea. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. Tonight on Big Brother. Fabs wonders why he's even there. Oh, might as well leave, bro. Scotty's just going to be allowed to win anyway. Barry Ryan loses it when he loses the egg and spoon race. I'm probably the worst loser out of a lot of us. And there's times where I'm sure he's wanted to belt me and there's times I wanted to belt him. And just do what you need to do. There's a f- up, it's a f- up, I'm it's... Someone might be here tomorrow if it runs out. Yeah, has no idea. Well, to be honest, mate, I've got no fucking idea. And Mark wonders where all the eggs went from the kitchen. All this and Bogan's arguing on Big Brother, the show that's been resurrected more times than the chassis Jack LeBrock is racing. Tonight at 7 on 7. Welcome back to the Racing Cast, brought to you by Race Fuels, your championship fuel supplier for E85, 98 Ron, and the full range of Elf Racing Fuels. And they're joined by Bowser Bean Service Stations, your championship regional Victorian fuel supplier of petrol, coffee, snacks, and meals. So you didn't need to step in for me this time. I can't believe you got that in. How many vocalist? How many runs? <laughs> no, Ninety-eight of them. Ninety-eight of them. So oh dear. back in back in reality, we have to discuss the biggest news in the uh, motor racing world: our Stony cartoon profile picture. Yes. Mm. That might not be the biggest news, but it's cool. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I need it on a t-shirt. Ooh, that now, might, that may well happen. Now, now, we didn't even pay you to say that. Yes, you can definitely have it on a t-shirt, and so can our listeners. 
when I get off my ass and turn it into a t-shirt in the Racing Insiders Racing Cast t-shirt store. <clears throat> links, links to follow when they're ready. Yes. Uh, Warbster. The post-COVID world has started emerging with almost every major series unveiling new calendars and preparing to return to whatever will um, be something that resembles normal mm. from now on. Um, nearly everybody's accepted that spectators won't be part of the equation for some time and... Uh, and some sort of social distancing in general will need to be adhered to. Uh, at least, at last, we're going to go back to racing. So, uh, vocalist Warbster, how do we feel about the return of racing? Ladies first. Uh, can't be bothered. <laughs> Hang on. Well, to be honest, mate, I've got no fucking idea. Yeah. To, to <laughs> Thanks, Pierre. <laughs> I'm struggling with it just because there's so many bigger things going on. And there's so much well, else going on. Well, starts next week. No, I was talking about important things, not oh, football. Sorry. No, I just, to me, it's just there's so many bigger things going on. There's so much of a scrum going around. Is it going to be around? Is it not going to be around? What's going on? Everyone's struggling, and there's just bigger things. So it's really interesting. I So Friday afternoon, I was uh, sent an interim calendar for a, a series that um, I will have some involvement with. It's an interim calendar, obviously. One thing I've got to say, guys, is that I, I don't even know how to say this, but uh, I haven't missed it as much as I thought I would. Um, mm. I've had a really mm. busy year at work, and it's probably been a good thing that I haven't been having Thursdays and Fridays and so forth off for weekends away. Isn't, it's, isn't really, it's really fantastic really we've helped, got a podcast really... about, a, about a, a sport we couldn't give a shit about at the moment. Well, it's just fantastic. Don't worry. We're already planning uh, some of the... Uh, the uh, unkempt debauchery that we will typically get up to on our race weekends. So Bye, Garth. Da- uh, yes, that's uh, Garth from Wanneroo, for those of you that are wondering. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully I do get to head back to Perth later in the year. And that leads us to uh, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championship uh, mm. will return in mid-August. And I may be at the first event at uh, Eastern Creek next to the tip where it stinks. So no, 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 no. Next to the Automotive Centre of Excellence where it stinks. Sorry, I missed it. Yeah, okay. What's interesting with the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championship, or SMAC, have, uh, so we've... <laughs> wow. So we've uh, coined it TCR and S5000, and a couple of others on the bill at Sydney Motorsport Park. Seen any details on the uh, travel and accommodation arrangements yet, which will be interesting. I know that supercars... Heard a little whisper that supercars for their first round in a couple of weeks time at SMP SMP, are going to transport all the Melbourne based teams together on coaches they're not flying them they're bussing them from Melbourne Um, so obviously using appropriate social distancing so how's that going to be if you're uh Rick Kelly, mm. and you're on uh, on the bus, and you happen to be on the same bus as, or oh, look, as a for instance, um, just about anyone he hits. Well, just about anyone that runs into him. I was going to be a bit kinder and say someone that ran into him. <laughs> He's made my day, that is. <laughs> oh, 
how are you going to go there if you're, or if you're Anton Di Pasquale and uh, you get nerfed by? Hang on, hang on. Are they putting just the drivers on the buses, or are they put in the whole teams? Teams, drivers, the whole lot. Right, rather, assume... so rather than charter flights, mm. I'm hearing that they are busing them to Sydney. They are all staying at the Alpha Hotel in isolation hubs. Okay. Um, okay. Now I've, I've got a very important question to ask here. Yep. Is Barry Ryan driving the bus? Um, if the team fuck up the pit stop, he might be reversing the bus. <laughs> I'm quite sure about driving it. Again, um, might need a reversing paper. You just need to listen to a swearing. Yes. Back to the script that you spent so much time working on. So, uh, Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships heading to Sandown or the middle of September, Phillip Island somewhere in October. They haven't announced it yet. I do have a date, but I'm not allowed to say. Bathurst on the International Weekend, which goes ahead as planned a four-day event, mm-hmm. November 15. And then ARG. So actually today, yesterday or today, uh, Motorsport Australia have announced that they're going to roll out a six-round championship because of all the extra categories. And now's probably a good time to talk about the poor bastard orphans. Hmm. ARG have their platform of... TCR, categories S5000. TCR S5000 Touring Car Masters they, ARG yes, own Touring Car it, Masters yes, yes. Uh, Trans Am the artist formerly known as TA2 uh, the artist formerly known as Super 3 uh, the, yeah, the Kumo series mm-hmm. and um, off the top of my head that's about yeah, that's about that's their key five they're, they're really memorable as you can tell no well it's been a while um, mm. so then you've got Supercars yep Super 2 interestingly my spies tell me that Super 2 were apparently going to be the last of the support categories announced because they don't generate any money for supercars, yet they were the first. So then you've got, mm. on the, the remaining calendar this year, you had Aussie Racing Cars, Toyota 86s, okay. Porsche, Porsche Carrera Cup, mm. and Australian GT were going to comprise the bulk of the supercar support categories across the rest of the year, mm-hmm. with a few local ones here or there. And then you had the Michelin GT Challenge for the second string Porsches. Mm. We're going to round out the Shannon series. Mm. So with all of these events and supercars announcing no support categories and still no announcement of support categories, where are the poor bastard orphans going to run their series? Mm. So at the moment, I haven't seen a calendar for TCM. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a calendar for Kumo Touring Car Championship. I haven't seen a calendar for TA2. I haven't seen a calendar for GT, Australian GT. I haven't seen a calendar for 86s or for either of the Porsche series. So we know where supercars have announced they're going to run. And we know where where the... Main events. Motorsport, um, Motorsport, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championship. They're going to run six. Off the back of that, ARG are going to Tasmania for a two-round swing in early January. Well, actually, it's the Australia Day weekend and the 30, weekend of the 31st, which is the weekend after. Yep. Now, why would they be going without um, Motorsport Australia Championship? Ah, now, my mates at CAMS... MA4. ...may or may not have told me that... And I have read the press release too, where uh, Mike Smith, who's the uh, director of the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, mm. I'm led to believe that the competitors want it all rounded out by the end of 2020. 
Mm-hmm. And the other key thing is that there are five or six category management agreements that finish in 2020. So I think for Motorsport Australia, it's fairly important that the 2020 series finishes out yeah. in the 2020 year, not rolls into 2021. because yeah, they all their expiry has to be 31st of December and there's, 2020. And there's financial deals, there's all sorts of contract arrangements. Mm. So yeah, ARG go to Simmons Plains on the Australia Day weekend and then TCR series visits Baskerville. I was talking to Denozo the other day, that'd actually be a that's a good weekend. little race truck. Great week, no, great weekend. Great, mm. uh, great ten or twelve day road trip mm. over to Tassie. Put the car on the boat, ring up someone I know, try and get some free tickets. <laughs> sit in the sit in the crowd, drink cans. Can't go wrong. Mm. Baskerville hasn't had a major Australian Championship round visit since the early eighties. Uh, yes. So it's had a major resurface two or three years ago. They run a really massive Tobin November. They run a really massive historic event there where. Mm-hmm literally dozens and dozens of, uh, of of mainland competitors head over. There will be fans in the outlying states complaining about the circus not visiting them. You know, South Australia, Western Australia, Queensland have no representation on this bill. Yep. But given the present situation, I don't think that's a bad idea. Well, the Shannon series was never going to... Queensland. Yeah, no, it was. It was going to Morgan Park. Oh, yes, sorry. You now it's right. not mm-hmm. at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never going to uh, IFG... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking gosh from Wanneroo. It's never going to Wanneroo. It is going to the Bend. Mm-hmm. So they've announced they're going to go to the Bend and they've announced and they've now announced that they're going to go to Phillip Island. So mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's not... But the thing is, I've got to look at this from a public health point of view because the start, there are still implications. Even though the COVID thing is settling down, if there's mm-hmm. another outbreak, yep. the last thing you want is a bunch of liability where you're having to cross a bunch of state borders when those borders could be closed... At the well, drop that, of a hat. It's a it's a really interesting calendar. Um, and, mm. and the other one that we still haven't heard yet, and, and vocalist something that's a bit near and dear to your heart, Victorian State Series. So we believe they're looking at a July event at Sandown. Uh, let me get back to you on that one. Oh, well, um, we can, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I know we have because time. because I've seen some correspondence from uh, my mates at MA4 about that. Mm. So uh, they're looking for key officials for that event. PIARC have already announced that they are going to run the six hour, the Phillip Island six hour for club cars on the second weekend of August. I do know that a representative from PIARC has been visiting several state clubs for their um, online meetings Mm -hmm. um, and has been telling them how Piarch is going to be moving forward. Yep. I do know that there is a big push for um, almost like a rebranding from Piarch uh, in such to make it a bit more accessible in these trying times. Yep. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that all comes to a head. Yeah, I've, um, I'm already down to work at the six hours uh, as one of the officials there. So uh, I know that that's at this stage, it's, uh, it's a lock. And it'll be interesting to see how that... And again, we're talking probably typically 50 teams with four or five cars each. So there's there's 250 drivers plus probably the same number of crew. There's 500 people. I, it's, it's a challenge and I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be dismissive of it because it's not until August, but that will be a genuine challenge. I think it will be a case of big spread out areas in the paddock and you will take your car to your garage and you'll do your sash changeover 
in your pit lane. I don't think they'll be having large amounts of crew and drivers, etc., in the garages. Cause no, because that, that's, that's an isolation disaster. So and the Phillip Island pit lane's not the biggest. No, Phillip Island pit lane's long, but the garages are bloody tiny yeah, compared yeah. to compared to and a lot of other places. there's three cars in a garage mm. in some... Yeah, so I think they'll be looking at... Uh, they'll be looking at... You know, like a supplementary garage per team, um, and I haven't haven't heard anything officially yet. Um, but I think that you know, there's there's some clever people working on it, um, and Motorsport Australia have got a fairly good document out the return to racing. I think the biggest challenge, and I say this quite openly and hand on heart, the biggest challenge for coming back to racing is the average age of the motorsport official. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's that's, that's I, part I, of the thing with supercars. Is, how old is Tim Schenken? Well, Tim Sh- Tim Schenken is seventy six. Mm. May have turned seventy seven. Tim's at least seventy six. Um, the challenge is, is that you have a lot of senior officials who are above the age of sixty five. I was going to uh, say and, very senior. And some have, and some have, and some potentially will have other um, potential. What you would refer to as, as you know comorbidity. Uh, health issues mm. it, it is going to be a real challenge trying to run a race event the way we used to run them mm. there are a lot of people working on it, a bit on it and they are dedicating a lot of good effort and a lot of time people seem to forget that and vocalist you're very aware of this that motor racing isn't just a sport it is a very large industry yes oh, from huge. from uh, from guys who uh, have a lot of money and only run their cars at track days they pay people to prepare their cars so right through to very very rich people who own gt3 cars right through to you know supercars so supercars is probably a little bit exempt from that but there's a a lot of people who spend a lot of money with a lot of people Um, and if they don't have that money because of business shutdowns and all the stuff that's gone on with COVID. And, and, and we'll get it we'll get into that with Phil Monday because part of the reason that he's no longer part of um, the supercars paddock is because his business took a huge hit. On a number of and there are some other things there too, but on an up but Phil Monday on a number of levels. Mm. Um, and look it's realistically we are uh, we are early June. Mm. We haven't seen haven't even scratched the surface of the financial fallout of yeah, COVID nineteen yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it is going to run extremely deep. I caught up with Kane Baxter-Smith uh, probably six, eight weeks ago, uh, and Kane was telling me that you know for him, is uh, he's a tradie. Mm. Uh, Swift Solar is Kane's company. So for him, it's essentially business as usual. So if, you know, he'll have a budget. Um, they'll run less rounds this year. The 86 is when they get a calendar. So for him, he'll be able to run. Um, you know, Hopefully, he'll pick up an, a major sponsor. But then there's going to be there's going to be guys who will have a budget, who have worked right through. Mm. Uh, but then there are going to be people who have had uh, have had a major hit on their sponsors, uh, and they've had a major hit on their investments, um, and then they've had a major hit on their own business if they're self-employed. So we haven't even begun to see what this is going to look like, and I and I don't even think we'll see the real impact until next year next year's yeah. race year yeah, will be really really effective yeah. the there's, start, gonna, there's gonna be aftershocks there's so, gonna be a lot of people who won't even attempt to finish this year with racing oh, because of how bad the financial impact and, is and we saw this year at the state round in victoria we had the biggest ever numbers with 258 cars at sandown and i think we may have even discussed it but there was some talk about you know how great those numbers were and that you know, such a really good, healthy state of affairs for state racing in Victoria. 
I think we've talked about 200 is the break even to mm. for a club to run at Sandown. Um, yeah. it, it's a brave, it's a very, very brave car club mm. uh, to try and run the next state round at Sandown and hope to Christ they get 200 for break even. Yeah. Um, and this, this goes back to what CLW was saying with us where if stuff gets tough enough, what's the first thing business person parks? Yeah. Race car. Yep. Yeah. And yet I'm, I'm hearing that um, interest in Porsche Carrera Cup is still apparently very strong, that there won't be much of a drop-off. And I'm also hearing a whisper that um, uh, Australian GT uh, will come back with uh, at least as many competitors as they had planned for their sprint series, that, um, that you know, the majority of the competitors who were looking to run there. And it's interesting, uh, you know, we've always joked about, you know, rich blokes and fast cars, but... Maybe they're in a position where their investments are immune. I, I don't know. The tale will be how many actually turn up. That's true. Plus, if you're in one of the less financially heavy burdens as a series, mm. is there going to be sort of young blokes who have got to be the sponsorship loop? And Tyler Everingham would be an example mm. where, okay, I can't afford Super 2. What's the next financial rundown? And that's where the demand's coming from. It's not coming from your existing base is coming from guys who would have had more money having to drop off their ambitions a bit. So the one thing that we haven't seen any media about at all has been the Kumo series. Yes. Now, we've discussed at, at length in the past how much money mm. Brock Feeney spent last year to win Super 3. A lot. Far too much. Potentially, it's more expensive than Super 2 mm. for ridiculous reasons that might be the series that doesn't come back. Because if you can go and buy a TA2 car and run it mm. for four or five... Go and buy yourself a car mm. and run it for less than leasing and running a Super 3 car, um, I know where I'd be spending my pennies if I wanted to get my V8 mm. racing fix. Okay. I'm going to run this one past you, both of you, without notice here. But with the COVID thing, and it, it's anyone losing their job, anyone losing their living, anyone losing out because of it is an absolute shame but is it a necessary bloodletting for the sport to come back stronger when things um normalize again because you've had i'm gonna i'm gonna you've had a lot of series on the edge edge for a long time i'm I'm not going to answer that because personally uh, i think it's time to call it's time to call i mean you got to cut your losses and run it's it's a shit thing to do but this is that stepping stone that needed to happen Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on that because yeah. because I, uh, yeah. I got myself in enough shit on my page a few weeks ago, t- 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 <laughs> telling telling what I telling everybody yeah. what I knew. Yeah. Uh, my thirteen point plan. Uh, oh, you're um. My, yeah, my yeah. thirteen point plan went went down as well as a fart in an elevator, and uh, and, yes. for, and for the three or four hundred new followers to my page. Um, big hello. Be be lovely if you actually this- came across and listened to the podcast for once in a while, but. Um, I maintain that my sources are good uh, and there is nothing that I had said in that post that I... Apart from the stuff that was immediately refuted. I, and I can tell you right now, some of the stuff that was immediately refuted, I've since had information that that may well just be window dressing. Mm. All right, I'm not going to go into specifics. Yep. What, I, what, I, will, what I will say is that the, the supercar grid probably won't look very similar when they get shortly. when they get to uh, uh, the home of automotive excellence next to the tip where it stinks certainly won't be the same 24 cars and drivers that we saw at Adelaide and I'll leave it at that the sport will come back 
it will become stronger because of it. It's just an evolutionary thing. I, some I of these series and some of these competitors have to go away in I'll, order for the I think it's time to survive. I think it's time to lose some series, definitely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely time to lose some series. Look, and um, you can only band-aid solution something so long before it starts hemorrhaging. Yeah, no, look, no, we're talking um, about supercars no. next episode. No, no. <laughs> no um, look, and, and realistically, I think Super 3, unfortunately, I think Super 3 is a series, not Super 3, the Kumo Touring Car series is probably the series that will fall away first hmm. simply because it's too expensive. And that's because of the vehicles. If uh, And we've talked about it at and infinitum on the podcast, mm-hmm. how much a front corner costs on an FG Falcon. If you write one off, um, they are massively expensive to run because they are all bespoke handcrafted cars, pre, pre-car of the future. And the, and the teams didn't keep the bits after they went there to were, there CTS were no, that's right, because there's no and, point. And, and the, bit, the bits have all run out. You've got to mm-hmm. get them hand-built. Mm-hmm. Our, our guys have told us that. Um, look, there are a number of others. I think Toyota's throwing a lot of money at 86s. Porsche are throwing money at Porsches. Australian GT probably will survive because it has that international link. I think it'll, it'll also survive because while the cars are parked in the sheds, ultimately once things pick up again, it's not like a GT3 car is all of a sudden going to become ineligible. Correct. Or, um, you know, the bits are still going to be around because yep. they've pumped out so many of them overseas. Oh, look, and the spares backups there, there's still support for it because it is a mainstream product for most of the manufacturers. But then you look at the trophy series, the GT trophy series, which essentially is... <laughs> I hate to use this analogy, but it's the development series for GT where you mm. can run your old GT3 car yeah. um, in, a, in a series within a series, but it's a series within a series. Yes. Um, so what it does is it, it lets you, you can, you can go and buy a cheaper car rather than a frontline car, mm. or you can own your, your car for four or five years and then run it yeah. uh, and, and still get bang for buck in that respect. Yeah. Um, I, the, the challenge is going to be at state level. Yes. Mm. Where you've got E30 BMWs, 944 Porsches, you've got uh, improved production, you know, previously massive grids. I think sports sedans are going to struggle mm. both at state and national level. And Un- unfo- unfortunately, because when they go wrong, they're expensive to fix. Not only that, but a lot of these, a lot of the grassroots, I mean, you use that word like hell, but the more grassroots categories, they're being run by people who are self-employed, got pocket. regular jobs. Yep. Absolutely. If you've, been, if you've had a downturn in business because you can't open or people don't have any money, yep. there's a lack of liquidity around. Totally. Again, what's the first thing you do? Park the race car. Yeah, CLW summed it up beautifully. Yeah. CLW yeah. summed up a lot of things beautifully. Listen to the interview if you haven't yet. It's a really, really good episode. Yep. Can I hear a 76-year-old man calling for an ad break? Yes, you can. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Red Bull Holden Racing Team Bucket Hat, $30. Triple Eight Racing Gold Membership, $188. 44-gallon drum of BP Ultimate Supercar Fuel, $600. Having enough fuel in the tank to finish? Priceless.
takes more than amazing aircraft to make an amazing airline. It takes shirtloads of money. Virgin Australia. At least we lasted longer than Compass. Welcome back to the Racing Cast, the automotive podcast that is more solvent than Virgin Australia. That is partly thanks to Race Fuels, your championship fuel supply for E85, 98 Ron, and the full range of Elf Racing Fuels. Twice, Warbster, that's amazing. That's like a record for you. You haven't even been at any of the sessions, but you're correct. Uh, oh, no, don't worry. When when she recorded the fix-up, I played her the miss. <laughs> we are cutting this. You all know we're not. <laughs> so, Mr. DSR, in the uh, little racing hiatus, you've still been busy talking to the big shots of racing. Who have you been talking to? <laughs> The, the winner is Sydney, Australia. Yes, Warbster, I have been talking to uh, a couple of drivers. I'd actually like to formally introduce the podcast DSO's drivers for the Racing Cast's version of Team Sydney. Mm. Because um, I may or may not be right or wrong about this. Mm. Team Sydney may or may not reappear on the grid for supercars. So um, I thought it... And also Sydney may or may not be anywhere near the Gold Coast. No. Mm. So I thought it relevant that uh, I go out and recruit uh, a couple of drivers for the racing cast. Yep. I uh, have had a bit of a chat to uh, Jade Nojada, current rookie points leader in the Super 2 Series, runner-up in last year's Super 3 Series to the kid who spent more than twice as much on his budget than mm. Juice did. And the juicest unit in the paddock. And uh, and the 2018 CAMS Australia Formula 4 champion, Jaden Juice Jada. And I've also been speaking to a very, very loose unit commonly referred to as Hooli, mm. a.k.a. Dan Hollihan, who uh, I've known for quite a while, who... Uh, is a Formula Ford racer of uh, modern and historic Formula Fords mm-hmm. and uh, an internet sensation and, and just an all-round unit. And, and um, um, the founder and owner of um, Only Dan's. Uh, and uh, Trackstar Race Gear. Before you uh, ask the key question, vocalist... And are they single? I believe they are both single. Are they ready to mingle? Well, I'm not sure, but I can. Uh, I, next time I'm chatting, I can ask. Uh, Hooli is uh, very eligible. Very eligible. Warbster, uh, I suppose. Without further ado, let's throw to my uh, my chats with the two lads. And joining me in a new segment for the Racing Insiders Racing Cast, and we're about to experiment here with a bit of phone-in technology. Somebody that uh, I've known for uh, quite a few years now and uh, consider him to be uh, a bit of a mate. He is your quintessential larrikin racer out of New South Wales, 
Dan Holohan, welcome to the Racing Insiders Racing Cast. How are you, my friend? I'm good, dear. So, how are you? Hooli, I'm great. First off, just need to uh, preface this with I'm speaking to you, and then uh, I'll be recording another segment with Jaden, the Juice Man, Ojada. Now, so you and Juice are my drivers for my team, Sydney. We think that the real team Sydney could be in a little bit of trouble. So um, if anybody out there's got, you know, a, a lazy uh, couple of million dollars that they want to throw at me, I'll um, happily take over the assets and, and run a race team. And uh, Hooli and the Juice will be our, the new Racing Insiders Racing Cast Team Sydney drivers. I so, think it gets the 19 and the 22 card there, so um, the question on me. Well, <laughs> we... We may have do to rate. Do we flip the coin between me and Juice? No, we may we may have to have a Formula Ford shootout at uh, at Eastern Creek next to the tip where it stinks <laughs> in one of the ride day cars from Anglo. <laughs> to be fair, though, Jada pretty much lives there, so I'll pre- I'll pretty much get the second car anyway. So that will... <laughs> no, no, well. <laughs> The way, he, the way he's going, he lives there pretty much. Well, without wanting to sound rude about it, Hools, Juice, Juice may be a slightly better driver than you. Yeah, I know, I know. He, he's in Super 2, you know, and yeah. I'm still stuck in Formula Ford, so... Oh, well, no, no, but having <laughs> having having said that, you have made a conscious choice to stay in both uh, both parts of Formula Ford. Let's go back. Yep. Let's let's. You, you're getting ahead of me, which is what I normally do to the Warbster, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not used to this. Let's talk. Let's talk about Team Sydney. You are a Sydney resident. You, yep. you're supposedly the man with your finger on the pulse. All, all things social media and uh, and racing in Sydney. Um, although you've let me down about forty seven thousand times in the last eighteen months with tips. What's <laughs> what's your take? What's your take on Team Sydney after the uh, departure of the dancing one with Chris Pither and uh, Will Davo's brother Alex? Yeah, well, to be honest, I think it's I think it's a bit of a shame being a Sydney sider because we are like we actually do love our motorsport here, and I think just it just doesn't feel um, very fan friendly for us because you know they've obviously housed they were going to house the team at, at Eastern Creek. Sorry, no, sorry, the automotive centre of excellence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. They were going to house it at Sydney Motorsport Park, and I think I think that's just for I think that's gone like that Ferrari Academy thing now. I can't keep up with what the Sydney Motorsport Park does. I'm a bit wondering where they're going to fit them now. The Ferrari Academy's been there. I did uh, shoot a couple of messages around to some people last week, but chose not to say anything on my page when they announced the Ferrari Academy that um, potentially softening the blow for the Team Sydney currently based on the Gold Coast. Now the other thing I hear is. <laughs> Yeah. I have it on very, very reliable authority that the Team Sydney cars never left Melbourne after the Grand Prix. No, I, I think they actually left. They they went. As, they just went straight back to Queensland. We haven't even seen them since. I mean, we've had uh, like the Team Sydney cars on show. No, I've here. I've I've heard that the two race cars are still in Melbourne. I oh. have had have had that confirmed fairly much. I'd say probably eighty five percent confirmed to me by a couple of people in the last thirty six hours doing a bit of research for this uh, segment. Oh wow. Wow, see, I didn't know about that. That's, Which, that's news to me. Well, it lends them beautifully to the other story about who the potential new owner of the Rex and the cars is. She, She's Team Sydney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, let's not go into that too much. Righto. <laughs> so, Hooli, the, the big important one that I've got to get off my chest first is yep. I am the social media DSO. Yep. You are 
one of the up-and-coming young princes of social media in a roundabout weird sort of motorsport way. Yeah. You've, you had a little hiccup a while back with regard to uh, some of your social media platforms, but how the hell are you so big on the subcontinent? Where does that come from? <laughs> like, See, do, have, you, not... have you done a Bollywood porn movie, like, you know, that no one knows about yet? <laughs> See, I don't know what the, how that even occurred. Like, so obviously I had... I had an original Facebook account, which which I had a lot of guys on, and then that got disabled because of so much content that, that may have been, you know, X-rated and whatnot, and could have come from, you know, the, the porn industry, but I have no idea. But, um, yeah, I, obviously it got disabled, and then I reappeared out of nowhere, and I've suddenly just, I've got a following again. But um, I think this whole COVID thing has managed to um, win me a Facebook World Championship. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I can't thank, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, my sponsor again with their algorithms, Getting me to the top of the news feed. Yeah, no, so. spe- spectacular work. <laughs> Let's just say uh, the Racing Insiders page, the podcast DSO page, and the uh, and the podcast are uh, hoping to leverage off the back of some of your popularity because um, you know only seven people listen to us and uh, we've got no credibility apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in in the real world, I don't think I have much either but i think on facebook i just i don't know where it comes from i just you know you know i think i'm just obviously sarcastic and it just goes with what i've arrived talk about and massively carry a following and it's got to like my my racing page to nine thousand. you know I, I like to create memes like that's a that's a hobby of mine and that's you know i think i've just mastered it if, if only zuckerberg could actually sponsor me in car racing i'd actually like probably make a career outside of formula ford but i just don't think that'll happen because you know team sydney does need some sydney identities so why doesn't zuckerberg just sponsor my car in blue put facebook on it and put me out there like i think that'd be great well, you, you you may have jumped the gun because one of the other one of the other questions I was going to talk about who your stepfather is. So uh, if you want if you want to, if you want to talk about a potential racing budget, you don't have to look very far from home. But let's uh, so Hooli, the important the important question on uh, on everybody's lips. Well, certainly not mine because um, I'm uh, I'm happily married. Uh, are you yeah. single? Are you are you available, Hooli? Are you uh, you know you're uh, you're popular. You're a race car driver. You're a bit of a bit of a Sydney man about town. What's um what's your status at the moment, mate? Yeah, well, apparently I'm single, so apparently you're really... apparently you're single. That's a, that's an interesting <laughs> answer. <laughs> I haven't had anything like set in stone, or I haven't been on any like proper dates in a long time. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't mind being like a I don't know one of those social experimental shows. I guess oh, that would be fun. But hey, you what? Yeah, look, I can reality TV, Hooli, uh, I can see that working. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about something other than social media. Formula yeah. Ford. How many years have you been running Formula Ford? Um, so it's going into my seventh year now. I am in in my own way very competitive, and I like to achieve certain goals. So with what I've got with my budget, which is my own budget, without my family putting that much into it, <laughs> is I'm just doing the Formula Ford ranks, and I've done the 1600s, which I came seconds and thirds and won a, won a race in the 1600s and i've gone to the historics one there and then i've gone to the juratex now and i'm racing the kids and now i'm back to the bottom of the ladder and i'm trying to work my way to just refine my race craft and i think if once i conquer juratech i'll look into something else so you you had a you had a fairly challenging year last year in uh in juratech uh, a number of people who were quite rude decided to point the bone and said that it was your fault, but yeah. it, may, it may have been a number of things. I believe you had a fairly successful test earlier in the year at Wakefield. You brought a new driver yeah. coach on board this year? Yeah, that was um, that was actually my, my family's idea to bring on a driver coach, which is Bart Moore, who I've known since I was about 12. So he 
obviously my stepfather helped him back in the day and he came on board and he helped me recently this year and he's just refined my race craft he just he's, he's such a but such a good guy like he's just down to earth um, you know, him and his girlfriend are so close and so nice and you know he brings me out does during COVID, we've done some um, sim racing stuff, which I'm not a fan of, but I did anyway. Yep. And then, you know, we do some go-karting stuff. And he's just an old-school type of driver coach, which suits me. And let's be realistic, he's no slouch behind the wheel himself. No, he's not. No. He's yeah. obviously racing S5000s and done TCR and yep. done pretty much raced in Europe. So Don't. he's got a lot of skill behind him and he's won the, one time, he's won the World Time Attack twice. So yep. he knows how to go quick. And a lot of his, a lot of his coaching is um, very like gentle on me and he, he dissects what I need to know. Yep. And with the Juratech, because it's obviously such a competitive and fast category with 20 odd cars at, at the track, his goal for me was to hang on to the edge of the top 10. And when we went testing, he wanted to essentially just top off some big seconds, which is two seconds is a lot in motorsport. So we got down to, on old tyres, 1 minute 02s around Wakefield and 101s is a good state time. So with new tyres, it would have been a 101. That was a personal best, wasn't it? That was Yeah, that was a personal best. So I think Bart's done a lot just refining my, my, my driving for one yep. and um, just engineering the car. And he's just, he's such a good guy to have around. And, you know, hopefully he can turn around my luck. And obviously I've, I've been a bit mediocre the past few years because I've gone from the Kents to the Juratex and I'm back at the back of the pack. I just want to be more noticed where in that in that field opposed to just my social media posts. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> the, the, the other thing I too... Should, I, should, I should earn my spot on the grid opposed to just my social media posts <laughs> earning my spot on the grid. <laughs> so, you, so we talk about the Juratex Formula 4. What, you run a Miguel chassis? Yep. So again, look, they're they're a fairly competitive car when they're when they're well set up and they're working well for you. Yeah. Let's talk about historic racing because you've probably had more success running in the historic car, which is the Kent powered engine, the old engine. What's your historic car, Hulls? Yeah, so it's a Swift DB1 from 1985. Yep. Um, it's an American car. It was originally built for a guy who was pretty much like my my body weight, my size. Yep. Um, and then they then they went viral in a way, and they they started to make them in the, like the UK version of them and the American version of them. And it was originally John Smith who was mates with Jeff, my stepfather, who used to race together at Bathurst and whatnot. So, um, jo- so that's John Smith for those of you yeah. out there who, oh gee, if you've listened to a previous edition of our touring cast, I reckon John Smith might have got a mention uh, running around in a little uh, Group C and Group A Corolla touring car, Hooli. Yeah, yep. so John Smith obviously um, had an accident on a bike one time and now he's um, obviously can't race cars again and he suggested, you know, give your son a chance and buy him, you know, this car and in Formula Ford Historics and see how he goes. Yep. And in the first year I struggled, with, we had a lot of engineering changes and now we've got the car so refined to where I'm potentially always in the top 10 or 5. Yeah, this year I finished fourth at the Classic, which is obviously the big race of the year and Last 2017, I won the New South Wales Championship up here. So yep. that car's quite fast, and there's no doubt that I can just hop in that car and ride it like a bicycle, and there's no fidgety stuff about it or yep. any OCD things about it because it's so refined. Absolutely. But jumping from that car, which I'm quick at, to a car that I don't really know, which I'm still getting, which I'm still getting used to now, the Juratech with 30 more horsepower is just completely different. I think now with Bart there, Bart changes cars all the time. He's mentally mentally training me to be equipped to any type of car that I hop into, and that'll hopefully get me into something bigger in the next few years, which I'm yep. hoping to do. Good but, stuff. Um, yeah. Let's let's touch on the Phillip Island Classic because um, I, I was there and we did bump into each other. Yep. It's It's been my only race event uh, for the year. It's been a fairly lean year for a lot of us. Um, you had an absolute horror qualifying wedge qualify. 24th. 
So just yeah. just for listeners to uh, give that some context, Phillip Island Classic is the largest historic race event in the Southern Hemisphere. I think this year there were well over 400 entries. Formula Ford started a grid of 55 or 58 cars, including, I think, six or seven international drivers come over. Richard Davison, father of Will uh, and Alex, who had a run, a number of very, very good. Tim Blanchard, supercar driver, cool drive, and his brother Harry had a run in their cars. So some really, really big names in Formula Ford. So Hooli had a horror qualifying. And then five races, I think you guys had? Yeah. What happened was we had a brake issue. And it was damp too. So the track was qualifying. The track was drying out as it was going. But it didn't make it any more difficult when my my brakes were jammed on. So what I had to do is I just had to put one half decent, or the lap that I could do with brakes stuck on. And um, I managed to get 24th. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll start from there. And yeah, I was versing, as you said before, like there was guys like Tim Blanchard, Supercars and Simon Fallon and Richard Davison and there was a huge, there was a number. Yeah, of that's guys. right. Yeah, yeah. So there was a number of like big names who'd done big things in cars before, and you know, obviously it was competitive. Didn't have Bart there, but I had him on the phone and stuff. And yeah, the goal was to essentially, essentially pass cars in chunks. So you've only got five laps each race. There wasn't many laps, as you know, because you're you're always there. To do to pass ten cars in like three corners is quite hard to do. So I just had to like weasel my way around every car. Pretty much what people do on i racing these days. Yep. Yeah, by the end of it, I got to fourth and I was so close to getting third, but I just ran out of legs towards the end. But yeah, I'll tell you what, the, those historic guys, it might just be historic racing for some people, but in historic Formula Ford, it's certainly competitive. So oh, it's, it's, I, do, I definitely enjoy it. Oh, it's extremely <laughs> competitive. Cooley, what, what's your racing background? Did you run in karts before you got into circuits? What did you do as in terms of racing? Yeah, so I'd raced go karts at North Shore Kart Club at Eastern Creek, which is obviously the home of Sydney Motorsport in Sydney and at North Shore. And Gary Holt owns that track. There's been a lot of guys that come out of there, like there's Troy Hunt, who is who still who helps run the club there now. Yep. Um, Mark Winterbottom came out of my club. Um, a lot of Courtney as well, as we were talking about with Team Sydney. You know, yep. a lot of those guys came out of you know North Shore and Lithgow and stuff like that. So I used to do a lot of club racing, and I did a bit of CIK Stars of Karting and start State National. I wasn't like obviously I was a mid pack runner in that. I didn't really have my legs because I wasn't. I don't know. I think my stepfather didn't really take to me karting as a as a thing to like what I'm doing in Formula Four now, where I'm always at the track. Where if I had done that in karts, I may have gone a bit more better, but. I did get a lot of good coaching from Christian Limbaugh and Troy Hunt and stuff, so I learnt my craft to some degree in go-karts. And, um, yeah, I won a club championship at Eastern Creek, so I guess I, I don't know, I did a lot of karts. And then, yeah, I think I took a few years off and got stuck in Formula Ford. And I've loved Formula Ford ever since, just because it's pure driving and competitive. I think the Warbster and I have talked about Formula Ford. In fact, one of the questions in the episode of his people who should have made it but didn't. And the more I thought about that question, the harder it was for me. And then I, I thought back to um, someone you and I both know, Icky Harrington. Hmm. If, if Icky had ended up with the, the Val- Valvoline money that uh, David Bernard got that year, there's a bloke that can genuinely drive lots of natural talent. And, and you've only got to go through the supercars grid, and we've said it numerous times in the podcast, that at one point there was more than 85 or 90 85 or 88 percent of the of the supercars grid from uh you know across the last three or four years have either been uh, formula ford champion runner-up so um yeah history shows it's a great proving ground well it's like that's what i like about it like as much as other people have said to me in the past like why don't you do like i don't know f3 or radicals or porsches or whatever like i've been tempted to do that but i actually don't mind just sitting in formula ford because i knew i wasn't competitive enough to make it as like a front-running supercar driver 
if if I did have that money to push me to that, I just don't. I think you know guys like Jaden Ojeda, who who's going to be on this podcast as well. Like he's just a natural talent, you know. And I just thought, you know, it's for some drivers like me. Like you could ask a lot of drivers in Formula Four, they just love running it. And for me, just racing in those big competitive packs, for me having credibility against guys who, who can just drive, even who aren't superstars. Just gives me a satisfaction to just keep racing in that ca- in that category. You look at the um, look at the Amigos boys in New South Wales at state level. You look at mm. uh, the Brendan Jones in Victoria. There's not a lot of state stuff in New South Wales, but and John Van Leeuwen, Andrew Van Leeuwen's uh, old man. You know they, they've been around Formula Ford for a very long time, and and the old blokes they just they love it. They, they and and not so much old blokes driving historic Formula Ford, old blokes driving Kent and Duratec cars at mm. state level because your ass is three and a half inches from the ground and uh, you're, uh, and everything comes up really, really fast when you're sitting that low. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, if you go off the track, it's, it hurts as well. So yep. But yeah, there's just that whole satisfaction. I absolutely love it. Like I can't, for me, doing what I'm doing now and, if, you know, by the time I do do something else, I would have had that race craft honed into me, especially now with Bart as a driver coach. It's just a satisfying class. And, you know, running Kent's and all the classes, what you've just said for the local state guys, it's just so much fun. And I've tried to, like, link the general public with motorsport and kind of give, I don't know, the, you know, Joe Blow off the street an idea of what I race in a way. And, you know, like, hopefully they come out to the track and stuff like that. Like, people in my area, like the pizza, one of the pizza shop owners wants to go out and see formula ford and he obviously has no idea about it and he will see other cars that race at state level so like i guess i'm trying to a small guy just trying to introduce the general public to what happens below formula one and supercars which hooli yeah. you, you you throw me a bone every single time we have a conversation so what i'm going to say there is why in the fuck did you stop driving an uber if um, <laughs> if you can get the local if you can get the local pizza bloke to come and watch you race formula ford at eastern creek yeah. next to the tip where it it's stinks why yeah. in the fuck aren't you still driving an uber tell us about yeah. your career as an uber driver and hang on no, no let me go back tell us about your career driving an uber driver first question were you taking the piss or was it just a bit of fun or both um yeah actually to be honest it was i was taking the piss so what happened what happened originally it was like i found it two, two years ago now me and my brother-in-law and family were just sitting around and i just said one day i was like oh i was, I was just talking about oh like how good's ubers do you reckon they make a lot of money or make a fair bit of money for what they do during the week and i was looking at statistics and then anyway and then i said to my brother-in-law one time i was like do you reckon i should be an uber driver like how funny would that be like an actual race car driver being an uber driver and then saying that in my bio do you reckon they would actually buy it and anyway he goes oh yeah as if you do it though and then yeah two days later i signed up to be an uber driver and i got stuck into it for about a year and a, about eight months i'd say and then um i don't know i just i think it just winded down because i was juggling i work in the city as well and i couldn't juggle the two and you have to be at certain hours you have to hope to get an airport trip and certain money and, you know, it, it was hard because it was balancing the fuel with the money and actually how much you're making profit-wise. Do you know the saddest um, the saddest part about me and you and your Uber career? Yeah. The times that I went to Sydney for motorsport and, yeah. fl- and, and we didn't drive, the times I flew, sadly we stayed in yeah. Penrith and... Rookie Hill, because it was close to the tip where it stinks. And uh, sadly, your Uber career was centred around the uh, leafy, uh, you know, inner eastern suburbs where people tip you very highly. There's no yeah. way There's no way you would have ventured anywhere near fucking west of Parramatta in your fucking car. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I was a I was a gold tier. I was definitely one of their one of their front running drivers Uber in Sydney for Team Sydney Uber. <laughs> team <laughs> fucking Team Sydney Uber. You are the man. I tell you what, I'm getting juice on board tomorrow when I'm talking to him. <laughs> I think, I think I enjoy. I think I, like I did enjoy it to a point. Like I did enjoy a bit of banter and stuff like that. Yeah, I, when I did mention like I was a race car driver, a lot of them, which I did say to my brother-in-law when I first started doing, they actually thought like I was taking the piss. I'm a legit race car driver. Like that's how you got. That's why it was such a smooth trip and whatnot. And, did you have? So think- hang on, hang on. So did you have your business card with your driver data with the driver database URL on it? No. So I actually did some like illegal things at the end. I actually said to them, they're like, oh, so what's your name? Like, oh, you like towards the end of the trip, I'd. I'd actually like managed to like calculate it to the point where I could say it at the end, and I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, so if you're a race car driver, what's your like, what's your Google or what's your Facebook fan page? And then I'd actually get a fair. I think I still got a, I think a fair few social media followers from that thing because I used to say my fan page at the end, and they were like, oh, holy shit, he's actually like a reject race car driver. Uh, Hooli, 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 please, please, please tell me I don't need to go to the lawyers and then edit this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. So, um, all right. So, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Your your stepfather is Jeff Morgan. Those of you who out there who are listening that follow motorsport, Jeff has been a fairly successful businessman on, yeah. a, on a number of platforms over the years, and in his own right, quite a successful race car driver. I'm gonna, as per usual, I don't have the Warbster to uh, to do my research and my stats, but. <laughs> rem, rem, remind me, Hooli, he was a early days Carrera Cup champion, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. So, so with him, um, he actually helped found Carrera Cup what it is now. So he actually helped introduce Carrera Cup into Australia, and he was a Porsche Australia Porsche Cup champion four years running, I think. Yeah, that's before that's Porsche. that was before it became Carrera Cup. But he raced Nations Cup, which is uh, which is the early predecessor to to what is GT these days. Yeah, Jeff's been a racer for shit a long long time so he's, did, he's been very instrumental not with just my racing and how i go about it but he's obviously helped a lot of guys with keyhead he founded cam's rising star or helped found cam rising star should i say or cam's foundation yep. which has helped a lot of guys you know like there's been joey mawson and scott pye oh sorry hang on joey, joey mawson your stepbrother yeah my stepbrother <laughs> sorry Ren, that's a <laughs> that's a bit of a private joke between hooli and i <laughs> Yeah, so Joey and I are good friends. He's raced in Europe, and you've had a lot of, you know, Christian Lindbom, and a lot of those guys I actually met through my go-kart club, and well, the Sydney guys I met through the go-kart club. But, the, um, the Sydney yeah. Motorsport Mafia, Hooli. I, I think he's done a lot for Australian motorsport in general, and not everyone has the ability to drive a race car but doesn't have the budget. And I think him just masterminding some things that he's done has just helped Australian motorsport in general. And, um, I, you know, Hooli, it's, it's, it's good. It's been, been good to have him as a stepfather. You've, you've been a bit kind. Jeff's been yeah. a very successful businessman over the years, and yeah. Jeff has put his hand in his pocket a hell of a lot to help a lot of those guys who's na- who you've named and the lot that you've missed yeah. over the years. Jeff's been very philanthropic to uh, to Australian motorsport, and those who do know understand that. And Hooli, we, we're going to run out of time. Yep. The one thing I do need to talk to you about is your other side venture, Trackstar. Oh, rich energy. Rich energy. <laughs> the so tra- the rich the rich energy of merchandise. of merchandise and clothing companies. People have been asking a lot about it, and it's still on my car. Um, so well, I'm going to eventually tra- transfer that to a like Amazon or something. And it did have a bit of a get go, and it was selling quite a lot at the start. And then, um, yeah, I've just had a few, I don't know, just a few dead supplies, which caused the whole thing to pretty much collapse on itself. And- so, Hooli, let me pause you for a sec. Back about. Uh- 
14 or 15 months ago, you'd put in a shitload of work for an order somewhere in the vicinity of about $50,000 worth of gear. Yeah. Bloke who you'd been doing a hell of a lot of work for cancelled the order. Yeah. There was, um, yeah, was obviously, obviously with an order of that size, you're not going to carry all that. So, you know, with that sort of stuff, you want um, you want some money up front and then the rest on delivery. This person never went through with the merchandise. Ultimately, their... Their little venture. Nah, fuck it. <laughs> their driving academy <laughs> <laughs> turned to shit. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Crummy. Hindsight says, you know, it would have been lovely if that order had gone through. Probably, to be and, honest, that and, probably would have kept the, the company going. But obviously, you put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of dollars to, to get it to the point where it was ready to order. I actually had someone go over to Hong Kong to visit one of the factories. That's how far it got. Yeah. She wasn't very happy about that. No. Sent over. Either um, was the last draining part of my bank account and to pay to do all that. Mate, thanks for the chat. It's been great. Ladies and gentlemen, Team Sydney Part 1, uh, the Racing Insiders Racing Cast. We'd like to thank Dan Hollihan. Hit him up. Go on, Hooli. Now's your chance. All your socials. Tell us Tell us what they are. Well, I'm, I've made it quite simple for the for the general public. You can follow me on social media at DanHollihan41 on pretty much everything. Yeah, I'm sure you'll see some funny banter throughout your day. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round it out with that. Thanks, Hooli. All good. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. It's sexual, baby. And I want to give it all to you. Yeah, right on. I'm right here for you. I know it's going to be good to you. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, baby. If you want to be a superstar, if you want to be an uberstar, even if you want to be a porn star, make sure you're seen in Trackstar. Trackstar Racewear. Yes, check out trackstar.com.au for a wide selection of hats, tees, hoodies, beanies and retro wear. Or hit up Hooli on social media or at hello at trackstar.com if you don't find him. He'll find you. So, if you're a talented race engineer with a specific knack for setting up a Miguel Formula Ford, contact Hooli at Trackstar. He'll gladly give you about five grand's worth of t-shirts for every second you can cut off his lap time. Cause, uh, I'm down on my knees. Yeah, right on. And as Warbster has mentioned, part of our special Racing Insiders Racing Cast Team Sydney, I'd like to introduce our lead driver. And uh, Dan Hollihan won't be happy that I've said that, but uh, welcome to the microphone, Jaden, the Juice Man Ojada. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I have to do a hooli to the number one driver spot in the teams. Yeah, you haven't heard uh, my conversation with him yet, mate. But uh, I did say that uh, you two would have to, you'd have to do a, a shootout in equal equal Formula Fords round Eastern Creek, and you'd have to use the ride day cars from our, from Anglo. And he, he conceded straight away that you'd kill him, that you'd be faster <laughs> than him. So, so I'm entitled to say that you're going to be my lead driver, my friend. I'll timestamp this. You and I are having a conversation on the 11th of June. So 
you've got, what is it, mate, about four weeks till your next round in Super 2. You guys are heading to Winton for round two. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. five weeks. Uh, five weeks in, yeah, in July. Yeah, so actually just had a meeting with my all my coaches today um, as everything starts to kick back off. Yep. Um, with the gyms and all the rest, and obviously training is going to start ramping up uh, both physically and, and mental side of things. So it's, it's good to finally have some, or finally knowing that a track will be in sight soon. I don't know whether to go forward or how far back to go. Let's 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 talk about it in some sort of logical step fashion. You are currently running in the uh, Dunlop Super 2 Series. You had quite a good run at Adelaide Round 1, and you had came away from Adelaide as the leading points scorer rookie or the leading rookie in the series. Um, congratulations, mate. Well done. Thank you. Mate, last year you raced Super 3 Series, uh, Touring Car Series. You were, yep. you were runner-up to Brock Feeney. One of the things that we've mentioned on the podcast a number of times is uh, just how much money Brock Feeney spent Allegedly, allegedly spent to uh, win the championship. I'm certainly not going to be rude enough to ask you how much you spent, but if it wasn't for an unfortunate coming together that you and Brock had at Tail and Bend, um, the result might have been a bit different, mate. How uh, were you happy with how your year went? Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, if you had told me that we'd finish, we'd take it to the final race and finish second in the championship after the first round, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, obviously, going into the well, second last round of the championship it was at Taylor Bend. Uh, had all the momentum, two two round wins on the trot, and then obviously to get the round win still at Taylor Bend was great. But obviously it was a a bit of a, a question of what it could have been um, had it not been for a bit of bit and barge in race three. Yeah. Um, but look, at the end of the day, we were a brand new team, and not many brand new teams could say they they took a, a fight for the championship. Come there um, in Super Three, considering the t- level of teams we were up against as well. So you got the Matt White team and the BJR boys, and obviously the Paul Morris crew have all got um, a lot of experience. And we we went on for the first two rounds without an engineer. So and oh, it's first round, sorry, yeah, an engineer. And it's interesting. Um, I I've got a mate who knows your engineer, and he and I were chatting, and he said to me at one stage, and I think I might have even said this to you last year when we bumped into each other. My mate said to me, um, "Do you know this Jaden O'Jada?" And I said, "Yeah, I do." I said, uh, "Met him a couple of times. I know him through sort of through association in Formula Ford." And and I said, "Why do you ask?" And he said, "His exact words were, fuck, he is a good driver.'" And I went, "How do you know that?" He said, "I've seen his data." Just having a look at your at your data out of the car, out of the FG, uh, and he he's fairly close to uh, to James McCabe, who was your race engineer that came on board last year. So that to me, I, I love hearing things like that, where people who are in the industry and and, and know um, just come out with with things like that. And uh, and you summed it up, mate. You uh, you ran with Anderson Motorsport first time uh, they'd put a driver in the car and. Uh, awful close and and you know it was a good thing and so obviously super two uh for the last five years uh on my pages or on the, and the time on the podcast uh the warbster the co-host of the podcast is a mad jdm fan so just to upset him flat out i've called all the nissans a datsun so um you're driving a you're driving a datsun in super two uh, how's that going for you yeah it's good uh, i heard the datsun name get called that a few times now so getting used to it but yeah no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you drive the cars a fair bit different compared to the Super Free car, which um, obviously just shows the pre-car of the future versus the car in the future. But, I mean, for the weekend we had of it, I was loving it. Um, obviously, you're kind of one step closer to your goal. Um, 
and yeah, I really, really enjoyed that Adelaide weekend. Obviously, it's a bit daunting going to Adelaide for your first time to start a new series when you haven't been there before. So, so you yeah, ran come away from there. So twenty eighteen. Yeah, so 2018, you ran uh, Cam's Formula 4 championship and you were uh, the Formula 4 champion in 2018. Uh, you didn't yeah. you didn't race at Adelaide, uh, obviously, that year? No, no, okay. no, no. So it was my first time at Adelaide. It was my first time realistically at a, a proper, proper street track. Obviously, I've raced at Bathurst, but yep. um, you'd probably consider Bathurst being a, a race track which they use for the street, whereas this was a, a pure, pure street track. Um, yeah, that, bumps, that, that's bumps and everything else. That's a good way to put uh, that's a good good way to compare them. Uh, Formula Ford, um, obviously you you, you, uh, you ran twenty you ran sixteen. I know you ran twenty seventeen. Formula Ford. What's what's your race uh, background, Jaden? Where did where did you start? Yeah, so what from the very beginning? Yeah, how how did you where where did you kick off? I mean, carts or what did you do? Yeah, yeah. So kicked off in carts when I was seven. Like I was lucky enough to actually get one for my seventh birthday and was managed to buzz around the street a little bit. Um, nice work. We'll edit, we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> uh, every every seven year old's dream. Absolutely. Um, and then from there, obviously, you go off and you do a lot of test days and stuff like that. And you progress on through the club days to the state events and managed to win my first state title by 2010 when I was 10, which was which was Stoke. I was amazed with that. Um, it's probably still to this day one of the best moments of my life. Good stuff. Um, and then from there, won a few more, a fair few more state championships, a national championship. Um, represented Australia at the World Finals um, in Rotax as well. What what um, year was that, mate? That would have been 2015. Okay, um, yep. Yep, and that was, so that was my final year of carts. So then by the time I was 15, I was, the decision came whether I'd go seniors or move on to something else. And it was clear that if I wanted to reach the goal that we'd kind of set for myself um, and kind of try to make this thing a living, uh, we had to make a step out of carts, which is... Then where we made to move to Formula Ford and managed to get um, connected to Mike through my engine builder Adam Macro at the time. Yep. Because um, Adam won the national Formula Ford championship with Mike. Uh, I think in the year I was born, it might have been '99. Um, so there was already a connection there, and we managed to get in touch. And then Mike put me in the car and was uh, pleased enough to put me in the car for the following three years. So when you're talking about Mike, we're talking about Mike Borland from uh, from Spectrum Formula Ford. So, Jaden, you probably drove one of Paul Zitti's cars at some stage in your association with Mike. It might have been one of Mike's cars, but then the two cars I drove after that, I'm pretty sure, were both Paul's. Um, and, with due res- and with due respect to Paul, he's an absolutely lovely bloke, champion human being. You'd be a fair bit quicker in Paul's car than Paul is. <laughs> no, he's, from what I heard, he's getting better, obviously. Um, the past few years, he's shaped up with his fitness and really got his eye in, which has uh, obviously helped when you jump in the car. and. He's, he, he loves it, which is um, as long at the end of the day, if you jump out of the car, smile on his face, you know you're doing it for the right reasons. Oh, look, and that's um, and the time I spent uh, associated with Formula Ford, that uh, was just one of those things that, and I had the conversation with Hooley, obviously, with with Dan Hollihan, with you know his involvement racing uh, historic Formula Ford as well. You just you, and you look at the guys running around at state level still, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, even sixties. It's it's such a it's just such a great category because um, you you're as you're as good as you've got the car set up and you're as good as you're driving it. Yeah, I mean, it's in some respect, it's like go karting. It's a it's a pure form of racing. It's it's relatively simple when you consider how complex things get, which just means that almost anyone can and anyone can do it. Which is then why people enjoy it so much because you end up with so many different type of personality types. 
in the same class, in the same category, and everyone just loves it. Yeah, absolutely. They're all there for the same reason. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, the differences between the the Super 3 car and the Super 2 car, so obviously car of the future is, is fairly different to drive. Of all the cars you've driven the last few years, so F4, Super 3, Super 2, oh, you've gone 4, 3, 2. Have a think about that. Uh, see, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> what do you reckon you've enjoyed the most and what do you think suits your natural driving style? Um, I don't know which one I'm sorry I really enjoyed the most. Um, I could take bits from each one and kind of make a super super class if I could. Sure, um, yep. Formula Ford, obviously, you, you're there for the racing. It's amazing racing because there's no, no drag, no aero. So you end up just slipstreaming everywhere and obviously you've got such low grip. I mean, the cars driving fast is to slide them around everywhere. Um, it's, once you figure out how to do that without crashing, you enjoy it. Oh, and um, it, it, it's amazing to look at the in-car footage. No, you don't. You don't really appreciate standing on the side of the track or watching TV footage of Formula Ford, how much they move around um, into the yeah. braking area, through the corner, um, until you're either driving one or having a look at some some good clean in car footage. Uh, it it really astounds me how much they really shift around. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously with jumping in the Formula Four, um, it's a different kettle of fish completely. Obviously, you do have a little bit error, which changes um, a few things. Um, and then obviously we, we ran on a, a hand-cooked slip tyre, which changed a lot of things. And then obviously you're driving a car off a turbo. And the easiest way to put it, probably you just had to drive it with so much finesse. Just had to be, do everything ultra smooth. Everything was precision, which um, I, I really, really enjoy that, to be fair. Did you find that um, you talked about the hand-cooked slick? I know that the tyre was designed to be durable. Did you find that they could have had more grip, that they were a bit firm? Oof, I don't like. I don't think they could have done much more grip on the F4. I think we were we had plenty and plenty of grip in those things. Um, if we had any more grip, we'd probably just about flip upside down. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, no, they were good tire. They, they were a really good tire for that category. From what I understand, obviously, you start each round with a brand new set at that level, and you could get through the whole round um, unaffected. So never had any tire issues as well. So no, they, were, they were a good tire to us. Good stuff. You're driving the Datsun. You're with Matty White Motorsport. Yeah. You mentioned your coaches earlier. So who's your driver coaches? So my driver coach is uh, Ollie, Ollie Myers from Euro's Driver Performance, uh, based in Sydney Motorsport Park. So he basically looks after me on the, at a very personal level and helps me obviously on the sim, which is obviously his main main kind of business and obviously does all the other bits as well. So helps me um, with my mental aspect and through his partners at Super 6 High Performance, um, we do all my mental, physical everything that happens basically away from the track and then everything i do outside the car to get me in tip-top condition when i am driving the car basically so what well, so while you're on a roll do you want to hit up the rest of your sponsors oh really yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah they're helping you pay your bills mate um give them give them everything yeah, you can definitely. definitely well i mean obviously to start close uh, i've got my my i guess you call my driver driver manager martin from Markcom, uh, he's basically been a really, really close family friend to me the past four, four or five years, basically the whole car, or my whole racing, uh, car racing career, um, and it's helped me greatly along the way. And then looking on from that, I've got some long-term partners in the way of Johnny, Johnny H and AJM. They've both obviously jumped on board throughout the recent years and helped me out. I and mean, then this year we managed to get on Visa Global Logistics, Jayco, and another long-term supporter was uh, UPS, the Sydney branch. So. Good stuff. And and the, and the car looks good too. There's always the potential challenge that it could look like something coming out of Tickford that, you know, that a rainbow threw up on 
you know, it was super cheap and 400,000 other different colours and sponsors on it. But the car looks neat. It looks clean, professionally turned out. And that's, yeah. that's as you know, mate, that, that's one of the big parts of, of the deal these days. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned um, this. I think, no, no, sorry. Yeah, go, go. I just, uh, whenever, I think every car apart from the 2018 Formula 4 where we kind of didn't really run a livery, we just ran the livery that was on the car a year prior. Each year, I think we've had a, a really, really good-looking car. So this year, we've got the Super 2, the, the Datsun, as you call it. Nice. Um, last year well we well played. Super 3 car. Which, uh, still to this day, I think it's one of the best supercars I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and then on from that, had a, a really cool-looking Formula Ford as well. So I think livery is always something I like to put my, my touch on. Yep. Um, and go, go wild a little bit, as, but as much as I can. Well, those of you that... Um for those those are the listeners out there that uh, that know who you are or have met you know that you're a, you're a good looking rooster. So you know presentations <laughs> presentations number one, mate. Always, mate. Always presentations are probably one of the things you can control as much. Or it's it's something you can control control in some sense. So uh, the better you can look, the more people will tend to like you. I'd like to think. <laughs> yeah. Look. So what you need to do is you need to get Hooli to help you with your social media and. Uh, the, the Racing Insiders podcast DSO Team Sydney it will be will be go mate we'll, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wander on down to the Motorsport Centre of Excellence take over from uh, the webs and uh, I'm I'm gonna win Lotto I'm gonna buy the team and you two are driving for me just um, what so <laughs> what it. so what I need so what I what my ex- expectations from you as my lead driver will be that. Uh, you will qualify like you did in the E series, but you won't get run into like you did in the E series. Do you want to? Do you want to tell us about uh, about your wildcard entry into the BP, the Supercars uh, BP Ultimate E series this year? Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, um, it was it was exciting to say the least. Qualified really well. Qualified six. Uh, made it top ten shootout, which was absolutely amazing. But then it probably um, it showed my my lack of eye racing experience, and um, obviously with through my partners, uh, Ollie at Euros, uh, we do a lot on the simulator, but a lot of it is um, on a different platform. So it kind of showed my one lap pace compared to racing against other cars online. And I forgot to put it in, in gear for one of the races. So I Mate. think that probably sums up the best way I can. <laughs> so, all right. So in in this episode, and one of the conversations we had was with our our new guest on the podcast, the podcast vocalist, who is a is a mad sim racer herself, comes from a, a Melbourne racing family, and she's been absolutely scathing about i racing, about how it's unrealistic. And so let's let's see where we go with this. What platform do you normally race on in the sim? Yeah, look, so I'm lucky in the fact that obviously I do all the simulator stuff through Ollie at Eurods. He works really closely with a mob in the UK called uh, ProSim. Um, and ProSim are actually pretty pretty on top of their game. So they make all their own tracks and cars, which then goes on to run on the R-Factor platform. Then all the cars and tracks and stuff like that, which is kind of where the money is, is made in-house. So we're lucky in the fact that we've got access to such a high-quality bit of kit. Good stuff. Um, yep. and, and not many other people in, in the world have access to cars and cars and tracks at that quality. So we're, we're really lucky in that fact. So let me let me uh, thinking on my feet here. Let me let me throw a question at you. What's your favourite car on on your on that sim platform, and what's your favourite track? Look, during the COVID situation, we actually decided to Ollie and I were going to mix it up, and we kind of went head to head on a, a few tracks and a few cars, and we just decided on a car and a track on the day and go nuts on it. And I think. Actually, I think the best best car and best track we did was the we actually put the GP3 car. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was like the what is it like 2018, 2017 car. Yep. Um, around Macau. Oh wow! Wow. Mate, that was 
was ballistic. So, uh, so nobody, nobody ended up in a photographer's uh, scaffold platform. Oh, mate. Well, if we could have, we would have ended up back in Sydney. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm going to wind it up. Thank you so much for your time. I reckon I'll be up at Winton in five weeks so I'll, I'll put a face mask on so nobody recognises me if I am up there I'll certainly come and say hi and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other and I'm sure I'll bump into you again during the year but Jaden the Juice Man Ojada mate thank you so much for your time good luck for the rest of the year there's no pressure on you whatsoever but um, I expect you to be the leading rookie I want you to I want you to, I want you to smoke now Ange Mazuris is a good kid and his old man's a nice guy and, and Brock Feeney's not too bad either but i want you to smoke and want you to smoke all of them in super two i want you to be i want you to be like top three and leading rookie then i'll claim you as my own <laughs> that's the goal mate that's the goal. thank you for having me on thank you very much no worries mate all righty thank you well that was uh probably fantastic i don't know because i don't know what was said and it hasn't been recorded yet but I'm sure it was great, and if it wasn't, I had nothing to do with it. So the 33% of the fans who voted for me are vindicated if it was. I actually had a look at the poll the other day. It's actually 68-32. You're not helping here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm single, but I'm also a failure in life. <laughs> so we need to get safety car boards and flags. Safety car boards and flags. <laughs> Oh, can I be a race director one day? Can I do? I, can I please get the chance to say safety car boards and flags? Safety car boards and flags. Well, you just said it then. Yeah. So we need to go safety car boards and flags. Safety car boards and flags. Safety car boards and flags. How does it happen? You're feeling down, maybe wearing a frown, or grimacing till your forehead will burst. You couldn't feel worse. A need for fun needs a big comedy hit. And the best comedy hit is this shit. The Racing Insiders Podcast. G'day listeners, I'm the Seamster. No, actually, the real one. Here at Supercars Headquarters, we sometimes take things a bit too seriously. When that starts to happen, everyone listens to the latest Racing Insiders Racing Past. The bloke who thinks he's my predecessor, some pseudo-cams official, and the funny one that makes the other two bearable somehow get together to record the funniest Aussie motorsport podcast around. Go search iTunes or Spotify for the Racing Insiders podcast before I sue them. Oh, and give them a like on Facebook. There are only 99,000 likes behind GT. to the racing cast your number one source for race fuels related podcast plugs second in that category would be the breaking late podcast who gave us a wonderful recommendation on their show uh yes uh, if you're looking for something to listen to between our releases go check them out jd mitch hannah and michael present something different to us four friends just having a chat and a bit of a banter about all things racing without the bad jokes so after you're done with us in this episode head on over to uh Breaking Late, got a website or on all of the major platforms and head on over and see what they've been up to. So, Warbs, have you managed to catch up with Hannah yet? She is uh, Melbourne-based and I did yes, I did yes. say to you that we need to get her on 
our yes. podcast. Uh, bit yes, of a collab. We, we do need to we do need to do a collab at one point. We might have to have gender equality at some point. We've got two blokes and two women. That mm. would actually be that would be a step in the right direction. That would actually be better for um, the women's participation in motorsport and them being respected in motorsport than um, certain Instagram fitness bloggers that shall remain nameless. Mm. So. While we're speaking of uh, certain Instagram fitness bloggers who may remain nameless, Mm. I'd just like to put a general broadcast out to anybody who knows somebody that's a non-motor racing person. On on behalf of Donozo, let me put it this way. Yes, non-motorsport person and friend of mine, I do know who she is. No, I don't need you to email me or hit my inbox or message me with any of the related general me- general media mm. that has uh, has surfaced in the last few weeks or last week or so, I should say. Personally, as I've said on my page, I'm ambivalent to her getting her yayas out on OnlyFans. And if you're fucking stupid enough to pay $50 to watch a video of some bloke Shovey's old fella up her box, congratulations, you're a fucking moron. TLDR, we know, we don't care, we're sick of her. We don't want her. We wish she'd go away. Do you know how embarrassing it was to explain what she did to my mum? Oh my god. And and the challenge you have there is is that um your mum was a real racer. Yeah. yeah. Renee wasn't. She was fucking shit. She hosed fucking sponsorship money up against the wall. By her own admission, she was shit. So why did she ever start? Oh, that's right, because she pocketed her 10%. So beyond this, this is the last time we'll mention the skank. And Renee, if you're listening to this, keep your mouth shut. Stay away from my sport. Stop using it as a platform to make money for your stupid little photos. And fuck off! And Kyle, if you're listening, you can <laughs> fuck off too. Fuck on me. Righto, now we've got those two shit cunts out of the fucking way. Three. Oh yeah, Kyle, Crummy and Renee. Mm. Yeah, righto. Sorry for saying the C word in your presence there, vocalist, but um, that's exactly what they are. Mm. So that that's who we need, oh, that's who else we needed to plug, Warbster. <laughs> Oh man, we've got this. I'm, I'm not sure if we want to talk about plugging Renee Gracie by the sound of it. <laughs> oh well, I suppose it's nobody either, wants to plug that. It's either that or sit on the bed and eat Mars bars. All right, so we did promise to go one on one in the Q and A last episode. <laughs> you don't have them together in the same segment, please. One on one. Plugging. Plugging. Plugging Renee Gracie and going one on one. Or Mars bars. <laughs> It could be worse. It could be eggplants. So I'm really grateful none of us are German right now. <laughs> Nine. So um. <clears throat> so we're getting our composure here. We're getting our composure. So Warbster, you did message us yesterday. Yes, I did. With this one as mm-hmm. a bit of a lead-in. Yes, it had absolutely no sexual content whatsoever. No, that's right. One of the questions that we uh, we got on our Q and A for previous episode twenty nine was yep. uh, it was uh, Dylan's the, question was the greatest Australian talent not to kick on and have a substantial career. So yes. I want to preface this before you two have a chat. Mm-hmm. The more I thought about it, yes the more I became Pierre person. I've stood on the side of the racetrack in many various forms at least 10 or 12 times a year for 30 years, and I've yep. seen a lot of races, Yep. and I've watched cars go past, and to be honest, mate, I've got no fucking idea. 
I've got a couple of names that will come from left field, but I'm going to throw it that's, to you too. That's fine. I'm going to throw it to you too, and I may gain some inspiration after I listen to your answers. <laughs> well, I mean, to come up with one definitive answer, you're talking about uh, there's a wide scope out oh, there. It's mm. like, but where do we start? Do we start at um, guys who made no, it no, a little we, bit and should have done more? No, or? no. But do we do we start at um, at, at the the bloke who raced at state level and dominated but never ever had the money to, to progress to a national level or yeah. do we talk about the bloke that had a crack at national level and had all the talent but no money let, hang, yeah. hang on let me go back a step let me go back a step hang on no, no sorry let me go back a step let's be realistic about this the greatest Australian talent not to kick on and have a substantial career there is one thing that is key in this and that is opportunity and opportunity yes. is backed by money yes I also have to point out, you guys kept saying bloke. There are female racers. Really? Oh. And that's one thing. So I, I'm I going thought, to put my person forward. I thought I thought we had to import them from Switzerland. There are a stack of female racers. And this is one of the sad things about motorsport, is a lot of the female racers start off at club level, start to get really good and make a name for themselves. Mm. And then life happens. For example, they have kids. Mm, mm. Uh, I've seen a lot of women do racing, do well, mm. start to look at the higher places to go, and then they go have kids, and then that's it. They stop. So I'm putting forward the one person who would do well, mm -hmm. Leanne Tander. Used to be known as Leanne Ferrier. She babysat yes. me at racetracks. She, yes. she was going places. Mm. And, okay, I'm sure she had kids. She still tried, but she just never had the backing. So... Leanne is a perfect example vocalist because she she ran really well in the National Formula Ford series back in back when she was a younger racer. She then ran in the early development series mm -hmm. when she was still Leanne Ferrier before her and Garth got married. Yep. I was actually looking at her about a week and a half ago on Driver Database. It's interesting to see all the things that she had done. She's uh, a she's an accomplished she's driver. She absolutely, has talent and skill. She, she's ab yeah. she just doesn't have the financial backing to be up there with all so, the folks. So Leanne luckily was able to come back and was the Australian National Formula Ford champion. Mm. She came back and uh, and aligned with Sonic with Mick and Maria Ritter. Leanne is an extremely accomplished racer. She ran a couple of rounds of Porsche Cup uh, as a fill-in. She's a really, really good steerer in her own right, absolutely. Well, when I made the joke about her filling with the GT every other round, yep. it wasn't like everyone went, oh, yeah, pull the other one. It's like, hmm, that might actually be possible. Hmm. And when you talk about like the financial backing situation, what did Leanne do that certain other races we've just gone over not do? Oh, absolutely. She didn't sell herself out by getting a kid off and trying to use the sex appeal thing to get the money to go forward. So and let's that's, but that's let's, the thing. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let, let's rewind the clock back to uh, Melinda Price and Karen Brewer. Oh, the um, Castrol Cougars. Castrol Cougars. Yep. Neither did they. Hmm. So there was, there was a little bit of glamour photo stuff, but that's all it was. Larry Perkins had never ever allow that that wasn't mm. how larry ran mm. and look that's at that's at supercars level we go back to the skank who we discussed before and all of these fucking idiot morons in the mainstream media saying that she was the first ever full-time supercars driver she wasn't well hang on hang on let's if you want to talk about the supercars era well, the first regular driver in the supercars era was Leanne Ferrier in uh, the development series. Yep. 
and it was either Fujitsu or Konica, I can't remember which copier company yeah. took over from who at that point in time. Yeah. She almost ran me over at Winton, but that's okay. I've got a great photo of that somewhere on my mm. other Facebook page. Let's let's wind the clock back. 1975. You were going to say Christine... I was going to say Christine Gibson, Nicole, Thank finished you. second in the Touring Car Championship in an Alfa Romeo in 1975. Thank you. And without a breakdown in the final round, the class point system, she would have beaten Colin Bond to the championship. And that's 1975. So 1975 is our most accomplished driver, women ra- woman racer, and we've had practically nothing since then. Yeah. You can talk about, is the problem that women can't do it? Demonstrably not. No. Is it that there aren't enough? women sticking at it and trying to make a career out of it you could argue yes is there a lack of money that's based around talent rather than TNA absolutely I think the vocalist has has also made a really really good point and the Mm. vocalist comes from a racing family I think life gets in the way absolutely yeah and it's I think motorsport is is a snapshot of life for women with careers yes life gets in the way yeah. have a few you make you make a conscious choice to have a family mm. and that can interrupt both your career and it can also interrupt your motorsport career or your motorsport aspirations and mm. amber anderson was an, another racer who did extremely well in nine four four porsches and i don't think i've met a female racer who's hasn't been a really really nice person yeah i've met some blokes in racing who've been absolute pricks over the journey but yeah. It's you make a good point, vocalist. That greatest Australian talent not to kick on and have a s- substantial career. If Leanne Ferrier had been able to pick up an, the budget and had gone, you know, and, and hadn't had a family, she was a potential for a drive at GRM in the main game. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. she was driving development series with, uh, for Gary. GRM, yep. Yeah, for Gary. Yep. Um, so she may have run around in the top ten. I, no one will ever know. Yeah, and back in that era, it was as much. And you look at uh, Garth and Bargs won Bathurst, and yeah. part of that was about strategy. Call, uh, it was, but part of that too, it's always been about dollars. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's the other thing too. So I'll throw my suggestion up into that. Yep. Uh, a bloke that I know Icky. and put Icky Harrington. Yep. People will go, who the fuck is Icky Harrington? So so yeah, Icky Harrington ran National Formula Ford Series in 1995. Uh, ran pretty well, was in line for the Valvoline sponsorship in 1996 that ultimately went to David Bernard. Icky ran a privateer car with his dad. They bought a brand new 96 Van Diemen, uh, had a couple of really good rounds at the start of the season. Unfortunately, had a fairly substantial crash, got run into by John Blanchard of all people and then had a, another uh, unfortunate incident where they spun a flywheel off the engine, virtually almost cut the chassis in half. So, yeah, and then they ran out of money, that, that evaporated their budget. So, and again, Icky could have been the bloke. So Icky's David Harrington, David David Harrington Jr. I, Icky, for me, is a bloke that I know that could well have been, could if he'd got the Velveline money that Bezzy got, would have had the sponsorship, had the, bought the brand new car. He had Australian karting title under his belt. Australian karting title under his yeah. belt. Potentially may have won the uh, 96 Australian Formula Ford Championship yeah. and then opened everybody's eyes and not run out of money and you know essentially had to park the car. Yeah. Uh, if he'd had the budget, would have been able to get through the things that went wrong mm. that, that, and recover from that and, and recover a championship potentially. Mm. Um, everything is always, you know, if the dog hadn't stopped for a wee, it would have caught the rabbit. Mm. That's life in motorsport, unfortunately. Yep. That's one that I'll throw at you. There are dozens and dozens of them out there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
um, Garth from Monaroo offered a couple that we possibly can't put to air. Something about how good would someone have been if they'd been able to keep it in their pants, Wobster. Hi, Garth from Monaroo. Uh, Garth, Garth. If he ever gets on this show, we are so getting kicked off air. So when I go to Perth later in the year, hopefully I'm going to take the uh, the podcast microphone and uh, I'm going to record a segment with uh, Garth from Monaroo. That's another story. Who are yours, Wobster? Oh, um, sorry, folk, folk, any other no, cyclist? That's no, okay. just I, think, I, think, yeah. I think one each will do, will do us here. I'm going yeah. to go a little bit, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to talk about a motorcycle racer. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about a reasonably well-known motorcycle racer. Anthony Gobert. Oh. You want to talk... I'm not... Could, could, this isn't... Could, could have been, but never was. This is not a money issue. This is a issue with Anthony himself. He had talent to burn. Oh. How the heck he ended his career with his biggest achievement being an Australian Superbike Championship. He had all the opportunity. He blew it. Mm. So, imagine, mid-90s. Honda has just brought over an RC45 for the last race in the championship. He's blown everyone away again. They stripped the bike down. It was proven legal. The guy was just amazing. He was next level at that point He was time. absolutely next level. He went to Kawasaki because Honda didn't want him to go to where he wanted to go. So he went down to Kawasaki, signed a contract, two years in Superbike. And he was, at that stage, Rob Muzzy was running them. That Kawasaki had no business being in the top five of a Superbike race, mm. and yet here he was doing it regularly. Oh yeah. yeah, it was a pig of a bike. It was an absolute pig. He went to Suzuki, he had his big deal, he got this big money, he made it. The Suzuki was a piece of crap. They were in the middle of one of their low ebbs, which then ended when Kenny Roberts Jr. won the championship in 1999. Daryl Beatty couldn't get along with it, and he was the vice champion a couple of years before that. Yep. Gobert talked a bunch of crap in the press, and I think he finally got to the point where he was partying too hard, and his natural talent couldn't cover for the bike and for the situation that he was in. He went out and talked a bunch of crap about Mick Doohan in the mid-90s. What is the worst idea you could possibly do as a motorcycle racer in the mid-90s? Make that guy more determined. Yep. If he'd had the application, half the application of McDill, Valentino Rossi would not be the legend that he is. Casey Stoner would probably not have been our biggest recipient after McDillon retired. He would have blown McDillon away. Alex Treville wouldn't be a champion. Valentino Rossi would have won a couple of championships. That's it. He was that good. Yep. In terms of pure natural talent? Absolutely. What was between his ears? No. And the substances and, and other things? And part of the problem with that was he was oh. managed by his mother. So he didn't have like a, a, a manager who was in the paddock who would go, hey, this is how you do things properly. Yep. And that's the difference between him and the next prodigy that came along with Valentino Rossi. Yeah. But Valentino Rossi's father was, had been a racer. He knew what the pitfalls were. He would go, hey, kid, just check yourself here. Just... <laughs> Let's calm it down a bit. Yep. Sue Gobert, with all respect to Sue, if you are listening, Sue, couldn't rein that in. Partied. He got he too went big to, for his britches. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. got too big for his britches. He took substandard rides in America and he just went downhill from there. He joined the Bermuda team, managed to pull it out one more time to win a Superbike Championship round. But it just generally went down the toilet. And last time we heard anything from him, he was incarcerated as a heroin addict because he held up an old lady in a shopping centre on the Gold Coast. Wow. Absolute wasted talent. That guy was special, and he came to nothing in the end. Drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. Uh, if you do them, you're bad. 
because drugs are bad, okay? It's a bad thing to do drugs, so, so don't be bad. By doing drugs, okay, that'd be bad. Because drugs are bad, okay? And that, unfortunately, is what life can throw at you mm. if you don't have focus. And it also, this is also why, as I've said this a million times before, this is why I'm not real keen on sticking fetuses in race cars who have no life experience and no grounding. Yep. Mm. Because that, I mean, Anthony was a professional racer from 14 years old virtually Absolutely. No, no life experience got thrown a heap of money and just it all went to his head and he wasn't mature enough to deal with it anyway uh, thanks Wolfster. so no before we go we'd uh, we'd all like to acknowledge that the past few months has been hard on uh, on all of us mm. people have been thrown into chaos repeatedly this year and it's natural uh, to get low or despondent or, or despondent if it gets too much talk to someone seek help don't just sit there and let the world crush you if you need help, at the very least, reach out to us. You can chat to us on our pages, but, you know, there, there is help out there. We hope that uh, if you are a listener, we respect the fact that you're listening to us and that you, you follow us on our pages. Our you community know. is a genuine community. Absolutely. And we do care is. for each and every one of you. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, those of us that, uh, that are deeply involved in motorsport continue to refer to us as a family and... Uh, and vocalist, you're very, very aware of that for, for so many levels. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> no, absolutely. So um, thank you for listening. This has been uh, episode 31 of the Racing Cast, brought to you by Race Fuels, a production of Racing Insiders. As always, check out our socials at Podcast DSO and Racing Insiders on Facebook. And uh, we believe a vocalist page will be coming soon. I'm just putting the mocker on you now. Yeah, you, you're, up, you're up for it uh, now. I have to do it now, don't I? Do you ever. And uh, as, as always, um, rate, like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we will talk to you again soon. And our outro is a little special rerun. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick off this edition of RIFM, the Not Rolling style, with a special dedication to my boy, the GOAT, J-Dub. And this is uh, my love song dedication to Jamie. It's his favourite game. Jamie, that's for sure. You crash me up, you spread me all around. In the pixels, it's erase time. This is simply a race you see. It's not a matter of you versus me. Roland tells me keep it on the pace. But I'm running left in every race. I'm losing this dumb race game I'm losing my mind again I'm losing the races Losing my favorite been working for a better sim so I can race you more I really thought I could squeeze past there but this erase shit is not getting me anywhere 
I had a vision I could turn hard and tight A stupid mission and I crashed it right You should have seen it when my car was new My heart bleeds red but my car is blue I am losing this dumb race game I'm losing my mind again I'm losing this dumb race game I'm losing my mind again I'm losing the races So there was a podcast vocalist smashing it out with uh, Cardigan's track, My Favourite Game.